Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. This is a science fiction movie podcast, but this is not a regular episode. We have not watched the movie to sit and talk about it at length like we normally do. This is part one of two of our top 50 movies. Well, I should specify top 50 sci-fi movies of all time. So, it's a countdown episode. This is your sort of Christmas and New Year's uh, two-part extravaganza. Uh, we've both made our own list of top 50 sci-fi movies. The way this will work is quite simple. Tara's going to give her number 50, then I'll give mine. We'll alternate back and forth. Obviously, part one is going to be number 50 through 26. Part two will be 25 to number one. Yep. I really hated this assignment. <laughs> I, I i'm not yeah i'm not like super in love like i still feel like i, I could tweak but you could, this is the thing with this you could tweak this over and over and never stop yeah it's never i done. just did like 15 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> you never stop um which which is i mean we're actually hopefully recording both halves of this tonight uh in one mm-hmm. go the idea being that there's no temptation between parts to uh like oh what if i try and swap this in but it means you're putting something that was supposed to be that high up like off the list when mm-hmm. surely it's still better than the other 25 you had or at least 24 of the 25 from the last part but anyway uh that's the plan that's what we're going to do it doesn't really need much more of an explanation than that we will keep these spoiler light if not outright spoiler free i'm warning tara she has a history <laughs> hey Memento's not on my list, okay? We're safe. <laughs> Memento wasn't what we were talking about that episode either, but it still <laughs> came up. So, we'll keep keep that keep that there. Obviously, some of these things we have done episodes on, some of them we have not. Um, I won't specify every time, you know, we bring a new one up, but uh, certainly it'll be, there'll be a nice list of things that we've not done that we'll have. Like, oh, hey, we do every so often, we'll go, we should do something off the, one of our top 50s that we haven't done yet. Uh, That'd be a good vote. That's a good vote. Maybe that'll be uh, January's vote uh, after all the, the results are in and it's all been revealed. So, without further ado, let us begin. Uh, and Tara, uh, and, and, you know, in tradition of ladies first, what is your number 50? My number 50 is a gauntlet of a film. It is Until the End of the World. I knew what movie you were going to say when you said it was a gauntlet of a movie. <laughs> yeah, not a movie that I had heard of until we did the show. Uh, it's a Wim Wenders film. It is an epic science fiction, light sci-fi, I'd say. It's like not too distant future. It's a really compelling five-hour film of uh, a, a character that you follow who is chasing a man, really, across the world for love. But um, it's a really nice exploration of different parts of the earth and um, a nice exploration of the, the character. And um, I like the I like the soundtrack a lot. <laughs> and I like the style of the film. It's hypnotic at times and it doesn't really feel its length, which is impressive because it is very long. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of a mood piece, and you mentioned the mm-hmm. locations there. I, you know, they shot the movie on location. Every time they say they're in some place, at least for the most part, they're telling the truth. That's where they shot it. Uh, it was mm-hmm. shot over four continents, which is 
impressive given there's only you know what six or seven on the, on the planet <laughs> technically i guess you got both the north and the south pole continents uh, so i guess yeah eight mm, oh there's only the south continent oh the south the poles yeah the north is part of north america and russia i guess because it's just like Oh, okay. Well, there you go, seven then. That's, that's why I wasn't sure what the, the actual number was. There's the six main ones, the six that we talk about usually, and then yeah. there's also Antarctica. So, fine. There you go. They didn't go there for to shoot the film, but... No. Um, uh, yeah, it, it is a nice uh, just overall piece of looking at different parts of the planet. <laughs> yeah, they, they spend time in a lot of places. They get a bit more sci-fi as it goes. There's, there's a whole... Uh, without getting into it for spoilers sake there's, there's some just say dream technology that's kind of introduced mm-hmm. uh you know part way in i say part way in it's like two and a half hours into the movie <laughs> because it's four hours and 45 minutes long so there's a lot of yeah. time to spend doing <laughs> things um yeah no I, no I enjoyed this too when we watched it it's definitely something that i think may even grow on me more I, i'm a big fan of the director because i uh you know I really hope that the next time we do this, we make a top 100 because it was really hard to figure out which one to put at number 50. <laughs> it was really hard. Although I feel like if we do a top 100 next time, it'll just be really hard to pick what goes at number 100. Uh, for the record, though, I did actually start with over 100 to whittle down from. So honestly, a top 100, if we do this again, say in two years time, after you know, after we've seen some more movies, we've had some more episodes, I think a top 100 is pretty doable. I think so too. So, uh, with that said, my number, 50. And I, I struggled immensely. Because I, I got to the point where, I, okay, I'd reorganize maybe with my... Because I, I had an old list to work from. I had some new things to put in. And I, I got to the point where, okay, I'd done all the top sections. Kind of just shuffled them around a little bit. Basically, because, you know, these these are fluid. You, you, you mm-hmm. have a feeling whenever whatever day you're making them. And some things will jump up or down a little bit. And I got to the point where, okay, right, I was... There was a few things I actually took just outright away from the list just because I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make the executive call right now that I don't really think this is enough of a sci-fi movie, right? It's kind of there on a technicality rather than because it really feels like a science fiction film. So there was one or two that I just took out. I was like, okay, that opens up a couple of slots for new things. Exciting. <laughs> but I got to the point where I had 49 and I was quite happy. So it was just 50 was left. And I'm like, oh no, we'll, we'll guess the final slot. And there were so many <laughs> things I was looking at. I was like, because one of the things about making the list was like how how much of it do you do like you know schlocky things that you love versus you know high class like masterpiece. oh yeah i you should have seen some of the options that were at my number 50 and i'm like am, am i being a complete and utter tit by picking you know this b movie over <laughs> over this critically acclaimed film that we all agree is a, a masterpiece anyway uh, so there was a few. There was a, about three or four that I really wanted to put at number fifty, but I ultimately settled on Pitch Black as my number fifty, um, which is from two thousand. It's the Vin Diesel starring film, and I love a movie with rules, and this is a movie that is full of rules. And yeah, they're a bit gimmicky, but that's okay as long as you stick to them, and it, it makes for a narrative, you know, suspense. In this case, it's a planet full of monsters which are allergic or they're hurt by light, and that seems okay because the planet has three suns so it's like never nighttime, no biggie except when there's this every once in a while there's a total eclipse for like a day and they're all screwed and they have to try and survive with just lights and uh, Riddick plays or Riddick plays <laughs> Vin Diesel plays Riddick who's this uh, 
character who can see in the dark because he, he wanted to be like a really great stealthy serial killer basically um so it's kind of like an anti-hero movie and it, it does take a lot from things like aliens it takes a lot from other other movies but uh, it's a really fun b-movie time that uh it stuck with me over the years and the sequels you know aren't as good and aren't as notable uh some more than others but uh i have fun with this it's a it's a ensemble piece and it's not the best ensemble cast in a movie like this I mean, it's not the best monsters in a movie like this but the some of the parts makes for an enjoyable ride and it is by far the best vin diesel thing that exists and maybe that's not saying much but it is <laughs> he doesn't spend every five minutes going it's about family it's about family what about the iron giant Okay, not counting that, but that's, he, he does like a, like a weird voice in that, okay? That's, okay. that's not the same thing. That's the same thing, all right? <laughs> well, clearly you haven't seen The Last Witch Hunter. I'm going to hope that was a joke. <laughs> I'm going to hope dearly that was a joke. Where's your 49? <laughs> My 49 is a very dark film. It is The Mist. Mm. The Mist is um, science, yeah, classic science fiction, I'd say, but... Um, very small cast in a tight space where there's a science fiction element outside that's happening. Um, the movie gets really Just dark. A, not to interrupt you, but is the is the, like a riot going on outside? Uh, I'm hearing <laughs> lots of noisy sirens and various things. Yeah, hopefully no portals to other realms have opened up outside, <laughs> letting in monsters. Sounds like the apocalypse <laughs> is just happening outside the window, but continue, please. <laughs> yes, um, that example is also from the movie the mist so yes that is my number 49 yeah do you know what i have to confess i don't have this not because i don't love it but because i just firmly put this in the horror camp mm -hmm. in my mind and but i can't really argue that it is technically science fiction there are a few horror horror sci-fi movies on here yeah no i mean i have some as well but for whatever reason some just veer more towards one or the other for me and well you're probably going to make another video with uh the mist on it on your list if you haven't already so um, oh I, d I definitely have <laughs> i'm sure that's why it's also not on here yes yeah, so i've definitely done the mist high up in some horror lists uh in time. <laughs> it's a good that's a great bottle movie it's a great bottle movie it's an examination yeah. of the characters all and the camps they split into and the what do mm -hmm. we do in this situation and uh wonderful ending yes very Wonderful. strong ending <laughs> uh, my number 49 uh, is an outright classic that is highly respected and that is the day the earth stood still uh the so simple story of an alien who comes to earth ultimately to just try and convince the planet to stop making nuclear weapons because all the the alien community are all kind of like eh, earth's a, starting to seem a bit dangerous we may have to <laughs> we have to deal with them a little bit um obviously it's made during the the you know the the cold war it's it's very relevant to the time it was it was created in uh, and you can kind of view it through that lens as you're watching it but uh, it's got delightful performances it's hard it was you know, when we talked about this because this was episode one yes this was episode <laughs> one of the show um you know i i made a lot of comparisons to uh superman and the idea of the the the, the heroic noble good character who's trying to just get everyone to do the right thing but it's hard to convince the cynical world that they should and uh you know it's just it's a very uplifting messaging uh very classic and unlike a lot of sci-fi from the 50s which is very goofy and atomic and 
you know, giant spiders and shit like that. This is a lot more uh, down to earth and tries to just make a very serious uh, point. Yes, uh, and unfortunately, that movie could be released today and it would be just as relevant. Sadly, that is true about almost everything with the message. <laughs> this Still worth, haven't gotten it. <laughs> this worth hearing. Please don't stand Gort over here. Yes, yes. Yeah, honestly, yeah, the the, the, the effect of the robot is the only thing that's really dated, honestly. And yeah, the it's movie. a fantastic film. Yeah, no, wonderful. Uh, what is your 48? My 48 is Arrival from 2016. Um, Arrival was a really uh, surprising movie in the in the theaters it was uh, a, one of those very satisfying endings where you realize what the whole film was doing um i like the i like the puzzle that it, it presents and i like the way the movie unfolds with its answers and i really um there, there's one thing about the ending that i don't love because it sort of breaks its own rule but it does it. You can forgive it because you're still sort of blown away by the whole thing. And um, yeah, very, very good film. I think uh, almost in line with my last pick there as well is that this is a, an alien film about making contact that's not about, you know, firing rockets and fighting. No, it's, about, it's, it's about communication. <laughs> it's about, yeah, trying to get our species to survive this really difficult time that it, i imagine all species would go through as they um evolve and become smarter like any any alien race that had had in theory gone through this same and, process let's be honest it's not a surprise that you like this movie no there's, there's a reason why you shouldn't but it is very star trek and how it mm -hmm. handles the the idea of first contact this is you can almost imagine uh, Amy Adams' character being, you know, led by Picard and him asking her to do all these things. Because she's a linguist, you know. Our main yeah. character in this is not a general. It's not an action hero. It's a linguist. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what this movie is. Uh, right. I appreciate yeah. that because it's, it's, it's a science fiction and a, 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 a genre through a lens of a completely different character that actually arguably makes more sense than what you normally get in a movie. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, right. That was a good pick. Uh, speaking of Star Trek, though, my number 48 is Star Trek, the motion picture. And this... Whoa. I know, this is a controversial one. People love to shit on Star Trek, the motion picture. People like <laughs> to... People like to diminish it and say that it's slow and it's boring. And I say to you that this is what Star Trek is. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that lovingly. This is... The majesty of slowly going towards the Enterprise as Jerry Goldsmith's score just glades <laughs> you there. It's like it's Enterprise porn, and, and Kirk's just looking yes. at her. Kirk's looking at her like he's, he's, in, he's in a bar and he sees the love of his life, and he's like, oh my. He's like, yes. da, 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 da. majestic. It's a majestic film. It's that definitely is about... the, the best of the scores for any uh, of the oh, films. Absolutely. It's so good they used it for next gen. Absolutely. And. <laughs> At its core, Star Trek is the something unknown out there. We're going mm -hmm. to go and try and say hello. And ultimately, that's what this movie is. It's a mysterious thing. And obviously, I won't get what the, what the reveals are here. We're not going to do spoilers. But the, what the reveal of what it is is kind of interesting in this film and kind of mm -hmm. fun. But like ultimately, there's something weird out there. We're going to go see what it is. There'll be some danger along the way. 
it's a very pretty film. All the old effects, all the optical effects for space, and it's, it, I love it, it. It looks so unique. You know, it doesn't yeah. look like any other Star Trek film. They have costumes that are not used in the rest of the films, and I really like them. <clears throat> I <had to laughs> They're not very Star Trek, but I I still really like them. They're super of their time. Like we're going to reboot, and it's going to be extra seventies. <laughs> Justice for the motion picture. That's all I'm saying. Yes. Justice. I love the motion picture. Good pick. I love it too. What was your number 47? 47 is E.T. the Extraterrestrial from 1982. Steven Spielberg and probably the best performance from a child in a film. Um, really classic children's movie that's um, full of adventure and what Spielberg does best. That awe and wonder and um, good score as well from John Williams. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of a better child performance, and I'm sure there's a couple. I'm going. To, I'm going to. <laughs> I think Henry s- Thomas is up there. I'm going to say the girl in eighth grade, uh, beats him. But I, I will give you that. It's, she's it's, a little it's bit older. Well, yeah, because originally I was going to say the girl from the nice guys, but she's like a teenager. It's not a fair comparison. <laughs> I mean, there's a great performance, but yeah. it's not Henry Thomas in E.T. Yeah, right. I mean, that kid can <laughs> cry. <laughs> Ah, can you just go up and like hit him before the to take? You just, just making a kid cry is easy. <laughs> how do how do you think they make babies cry in scenes? They, 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 they can they say just take him away from the moms. We've talked about this. <laughs> it's all it takes to make a baby cry. No, no, little torture devices. There's little torture devices on set to make babies cry. I'm convinced of it. I don't like this part of your character. <laughs> <clears throat> Shall we move swiftly on to a cheery film at my number forty-seven? Uh, is The Road, which is a post-apocalyptic oh. tale about... <laughs> I was going for irony, yes. <laughs> it's uh, Viggo Mortensen and his son in the film uh, in a post-apocalyptic world where they're just trying to head south to where it's warmer. This is a dreary, depressing film where any other humans they might encounter could try to kill them, possibly rape them. It is depressing as all shit. And... It's, it's a great experience. I mean, it's as, as weird as that sounds. Um, you go to the movies to feel things. Yeah. It's not always joy. It's a very emotional film. Like the, the, the score in this, you know, we've mentioned music a lot and music does enhance movies a lot for me. And mm-hmm. I love the music in this film. There's, there's a moment in the middle of this film where he uh, he's basically saying goodbye to his old life because it doesn't exist anymore and he sort of like throws his wedding ring away and the music that's playing is he throws this off the bridge and it's just this like abandoned highway because there's no one driving anymore uh, mm-hmm. there's no power there's no electricity anywhere um, just all, all all of the, the these moments in this film just make it absolutely sing and it's, it's about you know one sort of noble heroic character uh, and maybe even hero- heroic's a stretch just someone who's been trying to be a good father in the darkest of possible timelines and what does it mean to be a good father in this world um but there's that that's like the one spark of hope you have in the middle is that no there is at least one good person or a couple of good people here so um you know this is if you if you if you want a serious cinematic take on like say like the random villains you run into and fall out <laughs> this is kind of that uh, in a weird way uh so no the road Happy, happy tech. Very mm-hmm. happy film. I have seen it. Um, it is dark. It is bleak. <laughs> bleak is a good word for it, yes. 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 Uh, okay. And you get to see Vigo Morton says, you know, little Vigo. 
<laughs> I mean, I love the idea of calling his penis little Vigo. Uh, I think you're thinking of Eastern Promises, though, not this film. Oh. Doesn't he get... Doesn't he jump into the water in the nude? I don't remember. I, at least I don't remember. Maybe it, he's done it more than once. I don't remember it being in my face enough to come out of it thinking, oh, that was a movie with well, his cock. Let me pull up my list. I have a, <laughs> I have a spreadsheet. Uh, of, of actor cocks and movies, <laughs> yes. Uh, whereas Eastern Promises, he fights someone in the nude and he's flapping around like for like five minutes. So it was, it was kind of hard to forget <laughs> that little Vigo was such a prominent star in that film. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah, it's good for a little Vigo. What's your 46? Can we please stop talking about Vigo Morrison's cock? <laughs> we'll talk about some ladies now. Uh, 46 is Annihilation. Ah, yeah. 20, <laughs> 2018 Alex Garland, I think, did this one. That's Alex Garland, was yeah. It his second film. Um, very dreamlike movie starring Natalie Portman. Um, very um, visually just stunning and impressive. Um, I love the the constant sense of of dread and it's just such an eerie world that they have to walk through and so alien but it is technically Earth and um, there's a really phenomenal scene with a bear that I'll never forget and probably is the reason the movie's on the list bear just the quotations <laughs> around that it's a uh, real bear technically um, yeah, just, just to sort of give the basic premise of it as well, which I think we should try and do for these as we're going. Uh, there's a mysterious area on Earth, something alien or something has landed and created a bubble uh, which is altering the, the DNA of life within it. And mm -hmm. it's expanding gradually. Uh, they've sent in a team of men and they just didn't report back to investigate what's at the centre of this bubble because something's at the centre. So that's, that's why the premise of the film is they send in four female scientists uh, because they are, they may have stand a better chance for whatever reason. They may actually be able to get to the center. Uh, so it's mm -hmm. their journeys what the film's about. Yeah, uh, it borrows a lot from another film, which might pop sure up does. on my list. Uh, but I do like this a lot. Uh, I, I mean, to go along with the visual, I'd say the sound design is also very. Uh, oh yeah, very good. Especially the bear scene. Especially the bear scene. <laughs> yes, very noble. Very noble. Uh, yeah, you see things in that that just feel so otherworldly. It's it's almost like a, it doesn't quite feel like a David Lynch movie, but a lot of the visuals feel like something David Lynch might just throw into something else randomly <laughs> and be like, yes, "Whoa, what the hell is this thing?" Beautifully grotesque movie. Beautifully grotesque. That's a good good yeah. for it. Uh, my number forty six. I, I I like this is one that I debated heavily about fighting to get on my list. Okay. Because. <laughs> uh, it's arguably not necessarily better than some of the things that didn't make the list. But I feel that God told me to deserves a damn place <laughs> on this top 50. This is why I needed a top 100 so that I can include <laughs> all those crazy ass 70s movies that we watched. <laughs> God told me to is a special, special film which we did review. I highly encourage you to check it out. It's a movie... It starts with a simple premise, although it does not stay there, but the simple premise at the start is that there's a sniper in New York City who just starts killing people on the streets. And when our main character, a police detective, gets to him, right before he kills himself, he just says, God told me to, when he's asked why he did this. Mm -hmm. And that leads down to an investigation of someone who's influenced him. And it like it starts hinting at really like, over-the-top extreme things immediately. But mm -hmm. every, so every five or ten minutes, this movie takes a left turn and but, but peter 
none of what you said sounds like it's a science fiction movie. Trust me, it gets there. <laughs> it gets there. It it takes a while to, but once it goes science fiction, it does go very science fiction. It, it's a movie that every time it, it it sort of brings up some crazy new idea, it commits 100% to that new idea. It almost forgets what movie it was before and just goes down the new path. Mm-hmm. And for that, I respect it. And yes, there are very heavy science fiction elements in the back half of the film, uh, which I don't want to spoil, but... It, it does go there and belongs. I also encourage people to watch it. Yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful film. <laughs> it almost made my 50. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's uh, 46. What's your 45? 45 is a movie from 2004. It is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Hmm. It is a film about about a relationship that is... Uh, they are, they are bro- broken up and the pains of going through somebody that you used to love and is gone and whether or not you would choose to give up those memories of somebody. And it's a lot more complicated than that, but that's the, I guess, overall premise. I and, mean, you could, you, um, could say, you could say what the, the, the goal is, felt like, you know, it basically pays to have his memory erased of, of yes. this, this uh, relationship. Um, so the film's kind of like mostly in his head going through all these past memories as they're being erased and uh is the is it better to have loved than lost than never to have loved at all in a movie <laughs> that debate i think i think you know we've not done this yet but i think the ending may lead to some interesting debates about what the message of the film is and what we take from it mm-hmm. but yeah uh, uh it's definitely a movie that i think about a lot um and it is one that has stuck with me since i've seen it and it's probably a lot higher on, on like many people's lists than this, but it is um it's it's absolutely worth watching. Yeah. Fantastic film. Yeah, you know, for all of Jim Carrey's dumb comedies, he's he's got a handful of really great like dramas and films mm-hmm. like this that he's done that are that are well worth seeing. For sure. Yep. Uh my number forty five is actually something that we, we did on the show and something that I saw for the first time on the show. And I had to I had to get on here. I I have to champion the Blob from nineteen eighty eight. I can't I can't help but close my eyes and just see Art Lafleur look up from his newspaper and say, "Ribbed." Ribbed. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that this ultimately is it's a schlocky B movie that has wonderful practical effects. You know, the Blob is just this alien entity that is a basically a tub of jelly that expands mm-hmm. the more it consumes things. Um. But the way it shows, like, how it, like... There's basically... The moment that sold us in the movies, there's, there's a death early on where you see someone essentially being, like, corroded to their, their flesh inside the jelly of the blob, and it's, like, horrifically wonderful yeah. and beautiful. This is not your mother's blob movie. No. <laughs> this is not Steve McQueen talking politely to the town uh, doctor, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on, uh, you know, over the ridge. This is... Uh, this is, you know... I mean, yeah, archetypical shitty eighties teenagers being killed by bl- a blob and all sorts of shenanigans. Uh, it's just, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful schlocky monster movie. I, I, like, I, I didn't expect when we sat down to watch this that I was going to be like, "Ah, oh, it's easily better than the original." This is not even a question. But <laughs> what? But by the time I finished, I was like, "You know what? No, no, I like the fifties one. It's got its I place." Do. But this is superior. This is this is my blob. 
this is this is <laughs> this is my blob damn it so absolutely it's, it's very funny as well it's very it's got a lot of good humor uh very entertaining all our all own crowd pleaser. And let's not forget, uh, one of the best lines in cinematic history. I was going to say it if you weren't. Take it away. But hockey season ended months ago. <laughs> Check it out for context. What is your number 44? 44 is The Martian. A 2015 movie with Matt Damon stuck on Mars um, while his crew and Earth have to decide how to rescue him while he survives for a long time on Mars. Much longer than any man should. <laughs> it's a problem-solving yeah. movie. It's, yeah. it's, it's him jerry-rigging the, the little temporary base to like try and grow food and just yep. survive. And uh, he has a YouTube channel while he does it where he's constantly talking to the camera and it is hilarious and uplifting and... Um, Somehow, it's a Ridley Scott movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, it's a vlog. I mean, it's, a, or it's a personal log, I should say. Uh, yes. I, I don't want to actually imply... I mean, I, I know what you meant, but I don't want to imply to people who have not seen it yet that he's literally sending videos to YouTube while he's on Mars. <laughs> I bet they're on YouTube. Maybe he put them on YouTube when he got back. It's like he brought his record <laughs> with him. He's like, I'll upload these at one a day. Hey, why I, not? I, Monetize as was, them. As if it was in real time. <laughs> Show the experience. This is how I use my own shit to grow potatoes. Yeah. Uh, Proof that Ridley Scott still has it sometimes. And uh, it's a really, really fun, emotional adventure. Surprisingly funny in places as well. Very charming yep. in places. Yeah. It's, it's not something I would have expected Ridley Scott to do. I, Ridley Scott, not I say this. Yeah, he's not known for comedy. Every time this, you know, Ridley comes up, I say it, I'll say it, and I'll say it again. He is a great visual director. He knows how to make a movie. You just have to let him have nothing to say about the script. Like, you give him a good script, and he'll go and make a good movie out of it. Uh, if he has a say in the script, then it'll fall to Alien Covenant. Uh, I'll... I'll <laughs> you. Is that not on your list? <laughs> you, oh, what's the line? You blow, I'll do the fingering. It'll devolve into that, right? <laughs> Look forward to Alien Covenant. <laughs> All right, uh, my number 44 is a Stephen King adaptation, believe it or not. Uh, we're clearly kind of in a schlocky phase of my uh, my list here, because uh, my number 44 is The Running Man. Nice. And I, I make no apologies for this. I love The Running Man. I've always loved The Running Man. There's a lot of nostalgia for me. It's a lot growing up. Uh, it's set in a, a, a near future, which I th if I remember correctly, it's like 2019 or something like that. I think, I think we just passed when this was oh. set uh <laughs> but it's uh basically a game show in the future where the it's a violent game show to think like you know american gladiators but with maybe a bit more of a gimmick where they've got like their own little layers uh you know they've got a theme and they've got their own little zone almost like a video game where they've got like their own level and they set the contestants to go through this game who are, are allowed to be murdered during this are criminals they're convicts and this is kind of like their punishment. Instead of just going to prison, they get sent to this game show. So there's actually... I don't think it's a super deep movie. There's definitely parts of it that are okay. There's, there's a little bit of like your dystopian, like ultra-capitalist, like, you know, nightmare in here. But let's be honest. It's Arnold. It's him. Wrongly convicted, might I add. Uh, or at the very least, I mean, maybe not wrongly from this the government's point of view. But he's like a freedom fighter, like rebel. Uh, so he's a hero heroic character to us. He's, set, he's put through it. 
But he's Arnold freaking Schwarzenegger. So, of course, he survives and takes on all, all, all comers. It's wonderful. Sub-Zero! Now! Plain Zero! So good. Such an odd insult. It's a terrible line of dialogue, but Arnold sells it. Well, said, English isn't his first language. It sells it. You say that as if he wrote the script. <laughs> as if he wrote the line. Clearly, the character is not his first language. Sure. Okay, sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh... I think it's a, it's a delightful, charming film with a sleazy, slimeball villain and wonderful, colourful characters. It is not high art. This is mm -hmm. B-movie at its finest. And I love it. Isn't the villain like an actual, um, what is it, like game show host? In real life? I don't know if he was. Yeah. Was he? No, I think so. Used to me. Like he's not usually an actor. He's like a game show host. Um, I, I don't really remember I mean, his it, name. It, it, it came out in 87, so it had been a game show that was on in the 80s in the US, mm -hmm. which means I never would have saw it. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. Okay, okay, yeah. I love The Running Man. Yeah. Um, it's not on my list, again. Like, we should have had 100. Yeah. All right, next time's 100. All right, all 100. Hashtag it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I even I even love the, the, just the last part here, I love the, the way they go into the game. They've got these like, little pods, like, these little carts that go down tubes. Oh, yeah, it's a really know. fun dystopian future design. Yeah, really fun. And he just, and you know, he says, I'll be back. And this is, because this was just right at the time where that had just really, because he said it in Terminator, he said it again in Commando, and it was mm -hmm. like, okay, now it's a thing. Now it's a thing. He has to say, I'll be yeah. back now and everything. So He didn't even want to say it in the film. Can you believe that? In the Terminator. I, I bet he's glad that Jim talked him he into it. He wanted to it. say, I will be back, because that's, I'll be back doesn't sound good with his accent. But he was wrong. Actually, I, I thought you were going to say that he was, he was basically, but obviously data didn't exist yet, but he was going to argue the data thing. I'm a robot. I wouldn't uh, contract. I think he does say that, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad Jim said no. <laughs> say the line. <laughs> I'm glad to. <laughs> <laughs> because it made you a superstar. All right. <laughs> What's your number 43? Uh, 43 was a hidden gem that we found on the Ace. Um, it is the day the Earth caught fire from 1961. Mm. So, this is a film where the Earth is moving towards the sun as a result of nuclear testing between America and Russia. Um, it is takes place where we're following people in, I think, England who are just sort of dealing with <laughs> with the consequences of the Earth getting hotter. And it's a very fascinating look at how humanity would crumble and um, the real consequences of things that are beyond anyone's control, at least in the in England. <laughs> it's yeah. a very good movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny because it, it feels like when you're watching it uh, from a lot of things that happen that it might be about uh, climate change. And a lot of it would transcribe to that. But I mean, it's, it's actually more of a nuclear bomb, uh, you know, movie it's about the dangers of nuclear warfare and what might go wrong but it's also about the earth warming yes due to um selfish reasons yeah so yeah it has, it has a lot of crossover and uh, the main character is like a newspaper reporter so he's kind of investigative about it and he's looking into things but ultimately you're right is that none of the characters in the film have like a direct connection to anything that's going on they don't have any mm -hmm. like high up contacts they're not like the ones trying to figure things out they're just like discovering things and we see all the things that happen gradually in, in the in the city they live in 
yeah and it's a very low budget film and it's uh surprising how much they can do without showing very much and it gets very very dark at some points too you you don't really expect it it from a 61 film no it's darker i think it was 63 but it was darker than what hollywood would have done at the time for sure 61 i wrote down the dates you're gonna make me you're gonna make me check okay right okay all right i apologize tara's right (laughs) Tara's right. I admit it. Tara's right. All I don't hill. need to be right. I just need to move on. <laughs> yeah, but I, I I will milk it if I'm right. So I'm I'm giving I you know. the I'm giving you the milky. <laughs> What's the opposite? Don't milk me. No, 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 no. I'm not milk. You're milking me. Well, no, that sounds bad. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, that was your what 30 or 43 43 yes okay um my number 43 is ex machina uh, alex garland's name has popped up uh already from you this is the simple story of a, of a, a young scientist who is invited to the reclusive home of oscar isaac who's like a bi- ultra billionaire and he is developing an ai called ava and the whole idea of bringing this young guy here, played by Donald Gleason, is to essentially test if if uh, she passes for human. Uh, the Turing uh, test, I think it's called. Yeah, the right? Turing test. Yeah, um, not that he's lied to and and told that she's not a robot or not an AI, but the idea being that if he can have a conversation with her and not not notice or not, it's not just like a, an algorithm predicting what to say. It's actually thought. It's actually trying to you know. So it's a very bottle movie and it's it's actually relatively low budget even though the effects that are there are very very good uh beat out planet of the apes for uh for effects i don't know if i agree with that but (laughs) (laughs) but it is very good for its budget for for sure very convincing um so it's very much a character piece it's one of these little sci-fi movies that kind of is saying a lot about humanity and a lot about uh life despite the fact that it's just three people in a fancy house (laughs) so uh it's very impressive on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the stuff towards the end, which I won't spoil, uh, is very tense. And it has maybe a, an ending that you might not have thought it was going to have. I, I think the ending is a little bit more unique than mm-hmm. some other films of similar topics. So It's sort of a, a modern day, well, futuristic story of retelling of Frankenstein in a way. Yeah, 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 you're right. There's definitely a comparison there to be made, yeah. Uh, but through the guise of, uh, you know, technology, rather. Well, I, mean, mm-hmm. I guess Frankenstein's technically still a little yeah, technology. Frankenstein's sci-fi. Yeah, still sci-fi. Uh, which you're pointing out, because um, that might mean it's going to pop up. It might. That's what I'm thinking, all right. Will uh, Karloff make my list? <laughs> Karloff? <laughs> <laughs> Karloff deserves to eat my shit. Uh, or doesn't deserve to eat my shit, whatever the line was. Karloff doesn't deserve to smell my shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's Edward. Uh, (laughs) I need to point that out. Okay, what's uh, what's your 42? (laughs) Uh, 42 is actually a 2020 film, and there weren't that many of them. That's true. Yes. This one is The Invisible Man. Oh! Yeah. I, Joe, I never even thought of including this one, but fair play. 
yeah, I was really blown away by this film. Um, we only got a couple of sci-fi films and both of them were great this year, but there was something um, really, really awesome about watching um, an Invisible Man movie from a person who's being stalked by Invisible, Invisible Man. It is a, a movie that turns out to be about gaslighting <laughs> and domestic violence and has a lot of super dark themes that are relevant to our times. And uh, Elizabeth Moth is, or Moss is. <laughs> Elizabeth Moth. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been drinking some wine. Elizabeth Moss is, um, deserves an Oscar if they have the Oscars this year <laughs> for her performance. I'm, I'm just imagining like, uh, like a monster movie where she just sprouts moth wings behind her. <laughs> from this day forth I shall never be known there's sort of a scene like that in, in Mimic there's Elizabeth Moth uh, no I, I liked the movie a lot too I was very impressed it yes. started the year off strong and then all the theatres shut and there was no more movies but <laughs> it was, right. <laughs> it was uh, no, like you say it's, 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 it's very much a feminist film uh, which it parallels as a wonderful mirroring between the opening and the ending which I won't spoil because you know the ending mm-hmm. but uh her performance is very good, and the whole the whole film is about no one believing the fact that she's saying there's some as a man stalking her. And don't get me wrong, in the context of the movie, there's you know a reasonable doubt <laughs> that everyone yes. naturally has, but it does kind of give it the metaphor this great, you know, platform to tell this story and show what someone goes through when they're not believed, and so right. on, so on. So it's good to hear. Uh, that's great. I never, I never a really that. great death scene in it. It does have a really great death scene. I. I don't know if it made the 50 quite, but it may have done. I don't know. But I didn't think about it. I didn't think about Invisible Man. But that, that, in my head, that was firmly in the horror camp. So I, I never thought about it. Good. Okay. You know, we've re- reviewed the Invisible Man series on our show. Yeah, yeah the, original, cool. the original one we did. <laughs> yes, the original one, which I think is more of a sci-fi movie. But Okay. Um, then this one? I would okay. say so. Yeah, I'd say it's more of a sci-fi. It's more of a mad scientist movie. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, but oh, very good. I, I mean, I, there was actually a 2020 movie that I, I almost put in number 50 slot. That was one of the, one of the films that was uh, fighting for I that I thought about it slot. too, yeah. Uh, I don't think it's the same film you're thinking of, though. Oh. Uh, that movie? <laughs> yeah, that movie. <laughs> Cosmos? <laughs> Not Cosmos. <laughs> no. We have very different uh, feelings about that movie, about... Uh, I'll just say it's Vast of Night. I the really Vast like, of Night, yeah. I really like the Vast of Night, okay? I really like that movie this it's year. It's an honorable mention for you. Yes. I didn't like it that much. We could, do a few, we could do a few honorable mentions at the end. Uh, when we, you know, the end of the whole list, not the end of this part, obviously. Uh, don't want to spoil I'll things. Take are. a break so I can figure out what they are. I'm going to pop up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that was your 42? Yes. Yes. Okay. My number 42 is War for the Planet of the Apes. Now, I, I was kind of, tr- I was trying not to be too, like, you know, multiple entries of the same franchises and whatnot. But no matter what I did, I couldn't not have this higher on some of these other things because I love War for the Planet of the Apes. And it wasn't as, it wasn't as well received as Dawn, but War was a very emotional experience for me in the theaters. I was so invested in what's going on. And the fact that the movie opens with what it does, and this is actually one of the few examples in the, the list that I will not even tell you what the premise is, because I feel like even the opening is a total spoiler, uh, because it is the third movie in a trilogy, and it kind of takes things that were there from before and mm-hmm. does something big with them at the start of the movie. 
but it, it it's very very western-esque it's, it's you know i mean if I, the only real complaint i'd have about the movie is that the title's kind of wrong it's not really a war yeah the title's very misleading yeah it's not a war at all if anything dawn was more of a war mm-hmm. and this, this should probably be called dawn in fact hell it literally ends with like a dawn scene happening. honestly <laughs> i don't like any of the titles for That's the movies for the re- reboot franchise i think they're all i get them confused all the time i mean i know which one the last one is yeah if anything the first one should be dawn because dawn comes before rise the second one should be rise yeah no, wait, it's no. not that they're bad titles it's just just go with numbers we like numbers Numbers are better. Yeah, numbers are better, typically. Yes. I'm sure there's a couple of exceptions to that, but yeah, typically. Uh, but it's emotional, it's harrowing, I'm so invested in the character of Caesar, uh, and his circus, you know, playing the role through motion capture. It's a wonderful performance, the effects are just so convincing, utterly convincing. Woody Harrelson's a great villain, um, and it kind of just, you know, it, once you've already had two chapters in a trilogy, it's unless it shits the bed at the end you kind of know you're not going to like have a bad time with the third one but mm-hmm. it just kind of solidified this is one of the best trilogies in fact you know me and Connor did a top 10 trilogies video like a couple of years ago now but uh this featured highly on my list because it was a wonderful time and uh one of, one of the richest trilogies in the sense that i feel like it has a lot of depth across the board across all three films where you know there's it's, some movies have the weak entry and I do not think this trilogy has a weak entry. I'm going to make that very clear. Um, so, very emotional film. I don't want to say too much because I do feel like so much of it would spoil, you know, the previous one and, and so on and so on. So, uh, yeah, yes. this is not an example where the third film, you know, m- makes the other trilogy as a whole kind of fail. So, like Star Wars, yeah. Well, um. It depends on which one you're talking about. But. <laughs> oh, yeah, because the prequels were doing all right until Revenge of the Sith came out. <laughs> well, I mean, I like Return of the Jedi. I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I don't hate Return of the Jedi. I, I was just cracking the joke. Although, mm. to be fair, I, I think the newer trilogy does kind of, as a good example of the third one completely shitting the bed. And Well, yeah, it's not, <laughs> it was disappointing for sure, but it is, um, it's not terrible. It's just, okay, Palpatine. All right. <laughs> I groan. I groan so much when that. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. It was. So, it was so, definitely down from the previous one. So Towers Forty One is Rise of Skywalker. Then's what you're saying. <laughs> uh, no, it is not. Uh, my Forty One is a classic movie that there's no way you would be disappointed to see. It is the thing from 1981. Oh. Yes. Cheating or, bitch. Sorry. 1982. 1982. <laughs> yes. Cheating bitch is what Kurt Russell says to the computer he's playing chess with at the start. Uh, yes. An odd <laughs> film for Kurt Russell because he did this one and um, when did he do Escape from New York before this? Or uh, before. Was, yeah, because Escape from New York so was like 81. Yeah. yeah, so this is his post uh, the computer war tennis shoes. I'm going to be a, a leading man in controversial films and horror films and Cronenberg movies. Um, but it's it's a really horrifying experience to watch um if you've never seen it before it's about a thing that is found in the arctic and uh the people who are trapped with it <laughs> and yeah. um so it's a research base so it's very isolated and yes. so outside is too cold to survive inside 
there's a monster that could be any one of them. It could re- replace that. So I, I always say this is a film about pa- paranoia more than anything oh, else. It absolutely is. Yeah. It's uh, it, <laughs> it will definitely test you. It is um, gross <laughs> as the name Cronenberg will promise. <laughs> uh, why do you keep saying Cronenberg? Oh, I'm sorry. It's not. It's um. <laughs> I get him and who? Who is it? John Carpenter. Carpenter. I always mix up their names. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you said Cronenberg, I thought you were just sort of giving an example of the type of thing well, you would do. Yes. But uh, but then you said it again. I was like, wait, did she think Cronenberg did this? <laughs> you know, I I often confuse the thing because the design of it with or when you see it manifest itself in certain ways. Mm-hmm. It does come off as Cronenberg-esque, but it is it is absolutely a Carpenter film, and I apologize. And please edit this so that I sound better. Never. I know. <laughs> I don't know why I always ask. But um, despite my mistake, <laughs> definitely watch the movie. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. That's well, no, a wonderful mm-hmm. film. I, I have nearly a, a bad thing to say about the thing. Uh, my number 41 something very different. Uh, something from my childhood, and that is the Fifth Element. Uh, this is your pretty, pretty much a cyberpunk future. You know, flying cars everywhere. Uh, very bright though and vivid. Uh, Luc Besson's color palette's very bold, and everything's very colorful. Making a face. Mm-hmm. That, <laughs> I, thought, I thought. Did I make a mistake? Is no. Luc Besson. <laughs> is it Woody Allen? Did I did I mess this up? Uh, it's definitely not Woody Allen. I hate Woody Allen movies, but uh, but yeah. So it's basically it's a very typical kind of action adventure. A lot, you know, a lot of like MacGuffins and tropes, and it's you know uh, Mila Jovovich, who unfortunately went on to do nothing but trash after this. Uh, she is the, the the chosen one. She is the fifth element, and she must be taken to this tomb in Egypt uh, to to save the galaxy from this this big threat that's coming. This big galactic threat. Um, and it's about Gary Oldman hamming it up with a lot of silly makeup and stuff as he mm-hmm. chases down. And there's, there's, there's flying car chases in the city, which, I mean, yeah, okay, if you're looking for it, you can kind of see, like, the effects have dated a bit, but it still looks good. It's still fun to watch. It's not, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, too too bad. And then, of course, you, you have a whole section where they're on, like, a sort of space cruise ship, which uh, almost feels like Die Hard in Space because it's Bruce Willis. Um, everything about it is just kind of delightful and, and charming. Uh, and it has a really weird distinction where it's one of the few films, especially of an action-adventure-style movie, where the hero and villain never meet. <laughs> Which would normally be a problem, but it works in this movie, so it's fine. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so Ian Holm in there. So, very, very dependable. Very dependable cast. I mean, I was going to say Ash from uh, Alien, but, you know what. Oh, is that a movie that might be on the list? It Maybe. better be! <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um oh, Fifth Element's very, very, very charming and delightful. Um and yeah, I, I and, and look Besson's films, I'm like this is definitely my favourite one. And there's you know, there's a couple others that I kinda like, but honestly he's kind of a he's mainly a one hit wonder for me. Uh like Valerian was not a good watch. I'm just gonna say that right now. I did not see it. I actually haven't seen very many Luc Besson films. Um but I can see how this is a lightning in a bottle situation because mm-hmm. that type of erratic style can be a lot, <laughs> but because it's in a science fiction setting and he got the right actors, um, 
it worked well for this. Yeah, I'll just say if you want to have like a like a, a likable heroic, uh, you know, rogue adventure in space, you don't cast Dandy Han. Okay, I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> that is like the biggest miscasting of that. Maybe not the well, no, the biggest is uh, Lex Luthor and Batman v Superman, but that's a whole other debate. But um, it's up there. It's up there. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is your number forty? My number forty is Total Recall from nineteen ninety. I was going to say, yeah, which one? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have not seen the remake. I have no idea where that would lie on the list, but I suspect it is not on my one hundred either. Yes, dead and buried somewhere. I haven't seen it either. <laughs> I'm just assuming. Right. Um. So this is. Um. How do you explain Total Recall? It's a Paul Verhoeven and Arnold Schwarzenegger team up. Um, Arnold um, has the best faces in any movie in this film <laughs> and sounds. <laughs> it is um, um, about a man who desperately wants to go to Mars um, and decides to have the experience of going to Mars implanted in his brain. But when he goes and gets um, the implant done, um, it turns out that he is a secret agent who is on the run and now people know where he is because he tried yeah. to do it. So we run through this futuristic world and on Earth and Mars and it is a fun romp. And yeah, those twists and turns and uh, wonderful practical effects at the time, great atmosphere, good music. Absolutely. And Michael Ironside, which makes everything better. Mm-hmm. See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> give it a context fantastic quote. film yes uh, honestly it's, it's i mean i always liked total recall but i hadn't seen it in a long time I and mean, we did it for the show i was like you know what this is actually better than i i thought it was going to hold up i, I did not expect yeah. to, to like it again as much but it, and it, it has a bit of a controversial end <laughs> i didn't think it was controversial till i met you and then all of a sudden <laughs> there was a debate to be had um, yes so there we go uh my number 40 uh, we're going to end it here. We're going, we're going a little artsy. Uh, some may even say a little pretentious, depending on your taste. Uh, but my number 40 is Another Earth, which is a Brit Marling uh, starring and written film. Uh, she went on to do the OA on Netflix. If you've seen that, you'll know exactly the sort of tone and the type of storytelling that you're getting from this. It's got this sort of ethereal drama quality. The premise of the film is that in the sky, and uh, literally a second Earth has appeared and uh, just one night randomly and she's in an accident at the start of the film because she's drink drunk driving and the film sort of skips ahead and there's a lot of and it's almost like this, this human drama of her sort of trying to like fix her life and get out of this like sort of moody slump she's in because she doesn't really know what to do with herself because she just feels like lost and desolate and in the background there's like stories in the news about all oh, the you know about the other earth and how it's affected like the earth's like gravita gravitational pull and tides and whatever uh and but it's like building up in the background that they're going to try and like like communicate with each other they're going to like send like you know a ship each way and like there's going to be a visit between the two earths and you know what is the earth like and so on and so on um i'll leave it there i don't want to like give too much away about anything uh but that's very much in the background to the human drama that's happening and it's more about kind of the idea of there being second chances because there's a second earth and how that ties into the themes of the film. Um, this is definitely a taste-based film. Like, either you're going to love how this movie feels, 
and the way it presents the story and characters or you are going to hate it um mm-hmm. i'm someone who kind of fell into it and just feel kind of entranced by the whole thing and sort of along for the journey i love the oa as well for the record so it's definitely just a, a creator that i i the voice speaks to me uh in a way which i know doesn't speak to everyone but i think if it does work for you it is a special little film uh which is you know very low budget very kind of not gritty but it's you know it's a very handheld you know shot in film kind of kind of movie uh so uh definitely has a really unique tone and atmosphere i've not seen it okay well in that case what's your number 39 uh, my 39 is one that we already talked about. It is Ex Machina from Alex Garland. Um, this is... Our first... Uh, uh, our first uh, duplicate. Duplicate, yeah. Yeah. Um, it is uh, a really... Um, just... Uh, I don't want to say complex. Um, uh yeah so i i mentioned before it's a bit of a modern retelling of frankenstein but in a futuristic setting not too distant future um i think it also uh is a bit of a retelling of pygmalion and um there are some very uh uh like sexist themes going on in the film that i think are addressed in a really interesting light uh and there's a lot going on in the movie. <laughs> it's very, it's it's very thought provoking. Yeah, I'm sorry that it's I very went, good. This is the problem with when you, you have a duplicate is that if the other person's already done a recap of the you know, the basic plot, then you're kind of left going, "Oh, what did I say about it there?" Yeah, I know. I don't really uh, want to say too much because then yeah. it's coming up soon. But uh, at the same time, like, yeah, uh, we've already talked about it, so maybe we should move on to cut time. <laughs> Tara's concerned these are going to be very long episodes. But we'll... We've already gone like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, my number 39, uh, completely different from my last pick, and that is Galaxy Quest. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the Star Trek uh, the parody. I, I don't like using the word parody. It is technically a parody, but parody tends to make you think of more extreme or more lower common denominator things. This is a, this is a loving... More of a parody of the... Um, of the fans and of the people who make this show yeah but it's a very <laughs> loving one it's because i mean ultimately if because i think when you go to galaxy quest it makes start off feeling very cynical even though it's still quite funny you got alan rickman sigourney weaver tim allen you know Al- alan rickman's very much the the spot because he's the alien uh and so on um and no tim allen's very much the shatner of course because <laughs> of course he is oh yeah um but by the end of the movie, I think was uh, you know on top of all of the great meta jokes about Star Trek and you know the idea that you know you've you've got uh, Sam Rockwell as a red shirt. They don't use that phrase, but that's what he is. Um, you've got all these inside jokes. You've got all these these things that poke fun at TV shows and how they're written and all these things. But by the end, it's actually got a very heartwarming, uplifting message about what something like a Star Trek means to its fan base and how important it is to the people. And why it's a good thing that it exists, and you know how, how precious something when you get that lightning in the bottle, and you have something with that much love is. No matter how at times it may be a lot of work, or how at times it may be a little silly, or at times it may be this or that. Ultimately, it's got a very positive message. Uh, that basically is about the. It's almost as if you tried to get the cast of Star Trek back together, and they all hated the idea of it, but you somehow found a way to let them see the magic again. Mm-hmm. And so the, the basic premise of the film 
is that a, an alien race mistake this TV show Galaxy Quest as a real thing and they, they, they kidnap all the actors and build the starship to look like the one in the TV show and say, hey, we're at war with this alien race. Fight this war we for us. We need your help. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, they're all like, wait, what? We, don't, we can't do it. We're actors. We can't do this. Um, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful... Yeah. Uh, it's a great idea for a movie and it's just about perfectly executed. I think I think it was George Takei who said, after he saw the film, like said that he wished that Star Trek had made this movie. <laughs> yeah, he wished that, <laughs> that, that, that cast, had made it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like this would have been the perfect Star Trek film. To be honest, like it's it's hard to like like give up Alan Rickman, but there would there would be a charm while all the actors were still alive if they'd done this, if they'd done it mm-hmm. with the original crew. Uh, that would be wonderful. We've not done this on the show yet, but I'm sure we will at some point and uh, yeah, we will have, have fun with it. But uh, it's very funny. It's very charming. Uh, it's a love letter to science fiction fandom and, uh, you know, the, the the better side of fandom, the actual love for the stuff, you know, not the toxic side with all the, meh, 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 why did you change this thing? Eh, too many women. All right, what's your, uh, what's your number 38? My number 38 is another hidden gem discovered on this show. It is Time Crimes. Mm. The premise of this is a... Italian schlubby guy oh, is bird watching. Well, I'll correct that for a Spanish, but uh, Spanish. I don't want to, uh, you said that we discovered on this show. I don't know if I want to take credit for Discovery Time Crimes. No, <laughs> no. Well, I'd already seen it, so I didn't discover it on the show for a start. Well, I did. Yeah, okay. That's yes. what's important. <laughs> what's what's important <laughs> is how, what, how it reflects on Tara. Yes, okay. Yes. So a Spanish man is bird watching um from his home and sees and what, a naked woman yeah what a bird he sees the... she's very attractive <laughs> yes he sees a young naked woman in the forest um it's a bit of an odd sight he thinks maybe something is wrong so he goes to investigate and ends up in a time machine <laughs> and then he's constantly trying to course correct things and it is the horrifying <laughs> the way he said that was like he just sort of tripped and fell in a time machine along the way. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Oh, it's kind of, yeah. Um, uh, the only thing I want to point out there is you said that he's, it looks odd, so he goes to like help or investigate. That's only when he, he suspects there's like foul play. For the first couple of minutes, he's just like, oh, this is my afternoon now. Yeah, he, he definitely I'm like adjusts his chair a little yeah. bit closer and <laughs> goes to look again. And then says, wait a second. Why is there a woman like stripping down in the woods? Maybe she's in trouble. Yes, there's something <laughs> odd about this. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really hard way to talk about because everything beyond what you just said would be completely not a spoiler territory. It's a it's a time travel movie that plants a lot of seeds mm-hmm. and a lot of clues. And I actually yes. went up a whole point in my rating because when we were talking about it in the review, which because we did this, uh, you know, like a year or so ago, mm-hmm. we I went back mid review, we paused the recording to check if something was in a scene that mm-hmm. was implied to be there later and it was and i was like okay that's half a point at least that's an extra half point in the score because <laughs> it's a very rewatchable film yes um i've seen that a couple of times though it's it's, it's it's very engrossing uh and it was very fun it was it was uh funny at times and mm-hmm. not your traditional protagonist and i appreciated that in the movie yeah he's a he's a, he's a middle-aged schlub he's not he's not an action mm-hmm. hero he's not you know particularly good looking or anything he's yep. yeah again uh the, the this is the brave take that 
not Hollywood will take. They, they will yeah. <laughs> they will put people who look normal in movies. Uh, and we, we all thank them for it because we don't feel so bad watching. They're like, oh, I actually stand up quite nicely next to this dude. Yay! <laughs> I may get picked for Skipper him. Woo-hoo. All right, so... Uh, yes, Time Crisis is wonderful. Mm-hmm. That's the point uh, there. Uh, that was your 38. Mm-hmm. My number 38 is The Road Warrior, Mad Max 2. Uh, mm-hmm. The original desert post-apocalyptic movie. Uh, you're saying, what, what do you mean? It's Mad Max 2. Well, yeah, but the first one wasn't really th- there yet. <laughs> the, se- the second one is, like, the thing that inspired, like, all the knockoffs, the thing that inspired what we think of as the desert post-apocalypse, that was The Road Warrior. That was Mad yeah, Max absolutely. 2. absolutely. The first one, ha- it's a good attempt, but certainly doesn't look like the apocalypse no because <laughs> uh, the second one's really simple is and it's kind of became like a the, almost the archetype of what a mad max movie's supposed to be is that he ends up just being involved with a group of people like a culture or a little community that he comes into and it's basically this town that has something valuable they have a, a, a an oil tanker that's you know at least started off well maybe they've, they've sold off some of the oil or the fuel uh you know already but still a lot of it left and about these raiders and again when you think of raiders in post-apocalypse with their like weird spikes and like hockey gear and like over the top that's mad max you too. can that's, thank george miller for that yeah that's the road warrior <laughs> um and it's delightful there's some great car chases and i love that he has a shotgun with no rounds but then like at one point i think he gets like one shell and it's like oh when's he going to use the shell he's got one shell you know it's not chekhov's gun it's chekhov's bullet <laughs> that's right. the, you know um it's, it's a wonderful action sci-fi post-apocalyptic movie and mel gibson for all the shittiness of his real life self in his prime of the 80s and 90s man he, he had charisma huh? he had charisma he was you know I mean, he's not actually charming in mad max per se he's charming in other things but he's got charisma he's got presence he, he carries the screen very well um it's a, it's a really pretty movie as well for what it is you know uh yeah so. uh this is not on my list but it only because it's been a long time since i've seen it so I didn't want to put it somewhere where it didn't deserve, basically. Sure, sure. Because um, I, I couldn't quite remember. What's funny is that I have still, to this day, never seen Beyond Thunderdome. So when oh, we when we do the series... Tina in it. I know. Uh, when we do the series, I'm <laughs> going to be the, be excited to check it out. I know it's not meant to be as good, but, you know, I'm curious. It's, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, does she start singing Simply the Best at any point? No. I no, I don't think so. <laughs> Mad Max wins in Thunderdome. You beat someone because I'm assuming it's like a gladiator style arena kind of thing. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but uh, more or less. <laughs> so yeah. I assume he wins a fight, and then Tina Turner comes out and goes, "You're simply the best." Dun, 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 dun. You get lots of her legs, which is which is excellent. Is it? She's great legs. Yeah. I'll never see her legs. I'll take your word for it. I'm sure oh, that... she's like famous for her great legs. I'm sure. I'm sure they're wonderful. I'm sure they're wonderful. <laughs> uh, what's your number? 37. 37 is 1973's Soylent Green. It is a Charlton Heston-led film um, about a bit of a post-apocalyptic future, I'd say, where there's no real food left to grow and all those all the sea creatures are dead. So I'd maybe veer um, towards dystopian rather than post-apocalyptic, but yeah. Yeah, yeah dystopian is probably better. Um, and the people of Earth now depend on the government to give them food called Soylent, and they come in different colors, and it is a a world where we have gone back to 
um, different like caste structures and um, uh, of course women are treated <laughs> poorly in that uh, they're treated like furniture they're even called furniture and um, it is about Charlton Heston doing some investigation on the Soylent Company so check uh, check that out if you haven't seen it I'm not going to spoil anything though you probably already know the ending <laughs> probably know the twist basically because everything's spoiled and then pop culture right. but yes but yeah. it is definitely worth a watch still. Um, there's a lot of movies that we watch that tr sort of channel these themes, and I still think that this one does it the best. Yeah. As we also have seen it, I don't remember being as impressed as you obviously rate it pretty highly. I like this one. Uh, I'm sure we'll do it at some point, probably maybe the next 70s theme month, uh, which we're bound to do at some point. Uh, there's still so many we haven't watched. There, there's, there's at least a <laughs> 70s month three and four. Uh, oh, yeah. On, on, on we the... haven't done body snatchers. No, no, so haven't done something green. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, silent running's not been done. Bunch of stuff, nope. and that's that's the more well-known stuff. I mean, part of the seventies months charm is that we do some weird stuff that we've never heard of. I really wanted to include Demon Seed on my list. <laughs> you really wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was like a lottery for number fifty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my number 37, so this is my first duplicate. I'm actually kind of impressed that, you know, like, I mean, my, your first duplicate for, for mine was maybe a couple ago, and then mine is 37, so we, you know, it took, you know, what, maybe 11 and 13 entries in it to do this uh, both ways, but my number 37 is Day the Earth Caught Fire, which mm -hmm. I was also very impressed with when I saw it. Uh, um, I, I love it because it's more about the ideas, even though it does have some effects and they do try and show some things like they show like a storm at one point and they, they, they obviously everyone's sweating and the idea that the earth's getting closer to the sun and everyone feels like there's doom. But it's that feeling of impending doom. It's the feeling of society collapsing and the investigation mm -hmm. uh, of, of, of it all. That, that's what makes it all work for me. And then it does go to, you know, surprisingly slightly dark places. I mean, maybe not as dark as what a modern film would. Modern films would go way past what this does, but... Oh, definitely. But this was during like the Hayes Code in Hollywood, yeah. so to get something that had these subjects in it were, was really a surprise and kind of a treat for us to watch. Yeah. Uh, so, no, I mean, I'll just, just kind of echo the same kind of sentiments, but uh, again, it's one of these things where it's about the ideas and it's funny because so many of the films we've watched from the 70s outside of the big obvious ones that are the famous examples where people, they are relished, but all the smaller ones, we talk about how other concepts but they don't necessarily go far enough with them so you, that's why that maybe the ideas were done better later i think day the earth cut fire is kind of the opposite of that where it doesn't have the flashiness or the special effects of you know later decades but in terms of the idea it does really think about it and it does mm -hmm. go through it and really explore it and how it would affect the world and it's it's weird to say it's the 12 angry men style approach because it's not in one room Ben is though because it can't yeah. really show very much exactly that's what that's kind of what i mean is that it's all about the discussion and the ideas and the discussion i said that weird discussion it's okay i said elizabeth moth <laughs> i almost want you like not that we do interviews with celebrities or anything but i almost want to interview her and just intentionally call elizabeth moth every single time to see if she'll correct me at any point <laughs> It's a good name. <laughs> she could be some sort of superhero or villain. <laughs> yes, and her weakness is obviously fire because moths are drawn <laughs> to the flame. Yes. Yeah, smart. What's your number Purple 36? Lights. What's your 36? <laughs> uh, 36 is 1977's 
Close Encounters of the Third Kind. A oh. movie that's about communication. I'll say it before you do, so you don't have to. I was going to say a thing. I was going to say a thing. How dare you suggest that you were not going to uh, say something? I, I, I have never, ever. You said it every single time that this film has come up. Today was going to be the one exception. I don't think so. But anyway, this is a, a wonderful film, a very personal film for Steven Spielberg, as you can clearly see when you watch it. It stars Richard Dreyfus as a man who is a family man, but has had an extraordinary event happen to him. And he is compelled to investigate and find more. Along the way, he meets a lady who has also gone through the same experience. And it is full of that Steven Spielberg wonder that cannot be recreated. So, I love mm. this film. Very personal. So it's just, it's just, I, I think the movie elevated for me a lot when I sort of started thinking about it, of like what it's actually about as it's, it's a personal film for, for him, for Spielberg, mm -hmm. where it's about him as an artist and him juggling his art passion along with his family life and uh what, what someone gives up for their, their art they can't even explain why they have this drive to do a thing mm -hmm. uh but um yes not my favorite spielberg but it's, it's a solid film i love it solid film. okay my number 36 is yes there's a lot of nostalgia involved with this one and we did do this recently but <laughs> explorers is my number 36 this really is... still yes yes <laughs> this film is special to me okay it's joe dante i love joe dante movies and this is you know it's about three kids who build a spaceship and they get to go to space and it's you know this is everything about it it's just that it's that mischievous quality of the of the kids like doing something that's kind of dangerous but it's like but in a kid way where you can just like go with it um like if i was these kids parents i'd be mortified but because i'm not i'm like yeah do it do it <laughs> do it do the thing <laughs> dick miller's in there he's delightful love dick miller he always is it's you know it's a movie about your dreams and about chasing your dreams and believing that there is something out there and believing in the magic of something and something that you do maybe lose when you grow up a little bit uh, and believing there is an adventure to be found and it is a wonderful companion piece to the goonies most people obviously know the goonies better than this and would probably prefer it but uh as, as a sci-fi nut and as someone who leans towards sci-fi i love the goonies. I mean, this is not, a, not i mean i love 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 the goonies i do uh but because this is more sci-fi focused i've always kind of veered slightly more towards explorers um yeah even if yeah okay there's some goofy elements in the end and the goonies is objectively a more full film as you know it's just from beginning to end but mm -hmm. i love it i love it and young ethan hawk the hawk ethan the hawk is in there <laughs> And he's magnificent, even at, like, 12, so... Yeah, he's great in it. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun movie. I I definitely had seen it when I was a kid as well, remembered it, mostly because of the stuff at the end that happens. But the stuff at the end is quite hard to deal with sometimes. <laughs> there is some um, chosen way of dialogue that is can, can be... Um, it can kind of put a pain like in your head right in the middle back part Look, i'll say this i'll say this you're giving me shit, a little bit of shit for explorers if there's a film that do you have that's higher because you've not mentioned it yet that i think might be on your list i will give you shit for it and you know what i'm talking about no yes you do you do have we talked about it already no no 
But I suspect oh. it might be on your list, even though it doesn't belong oh. <laughs> on the top 100. Never made top 50. Is it a comedy? It is a comedy sci-fi movie, yes. <laughs> it is not on my list. Okay. It'll uh, be an honorable mention, though. So, so, write that down. <laughs> uh, sensible minds have prevailed. I'll, I'll just say it. Rocket Man is not on my list. Nor should it be. I didn't think about it. <laughs> exactly. You just dismissed it. But it would have it. it it definitely would make my top one hundred. Because it's not good. All right. I don't think I, I would have put it on here. If, should... Even if I thought about it, honestly. Hmm. I bet it was it'd be on the hundred though when we do a hundred. <laughs> That's fifty whole extra slots for Rocket Man. <laughs> hey, we love um uh oh, William Sadler. I do. That. Yeah, I do like William Sadler a lot. We're pro William Sadler movies. I am, I am. <laughs> uh, he's the best Steven Seagal villain. Yeah. Uh, he takes it to the bank. The blood bank. All right. Uh, what's your 35? <laughs> uh, 35 is a movie that you hate. Um, oh. I'm not really sure why. I think it has something to do with your home country, but it is Under the Skin from 2014. <laughs> I do not hate Under the Skin. Tara's been facetious. <laughs> Picking on you. Yeah, I know you love this movie. Um, I also really love this film. It is it is a bit of a cop-out to call a movie Kubrickian, but I think this one is probably the closest that <laughs> comes to that I, I don't think I've ever heard someone say the word Kubrickian before. You don't think people describe words as Kubrick-like I, I, I or think, Kubrickian? I think because the way his name sounds, people say Kubrick-esque rather than Kubrickian. Kubrickian. Um, well, that's how we say it in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah, it's very atmospheric. It's very uh, full of dread. It's about a woman who is an alien played by Scarlett Johansson. She is driving around picking up men in her minivan. And um, <laughs> what she does with them, I'll have to watch the movie to find out. But it's, um, it's also about her. I say, I use the term her, but she's not really a she but because she's in the body of a, a female human I mean, she sort of starts to explore that side of things and it is a I mean, very it could, it interesting could, journey it could be a female member of the alien race we have no idea we I don't mean, know yeah, yeah. Could, it could be male could be female. they may not have a gender i mean but no but it is definitely an exploration of gender yeah so uh it's a very it's a very good movie um has one of the most difficult scenes that i've watched in a film that involves a baby to watch yeah uh, and what's impressive is that tara saying that makes you think something happens to a baby and really it doesn't but it doesn't no. matter but it it just like yeah proves whether or not she is really human <laughs> uh, I, I mean if, if if you i mean it is a very slow arty film but if you do get sucked into it like you are just like entrenched and entranced mm -hmm. by like the the way it slowly lets the scene move as like stuff i mean literally the scene you're talking about without much context it's just people doing things and walking around a baby who's crying mm -hmm. but because of what they're doing how dark it is it's all very tense and like the, it's just it's like it's almost oppressive the atmosphere of this film yeah uh is that strong yes and yes it's set in scotland she's killing people in scotland yes um and i famously went to the theater and didn't know it was set in scotland and then started recognizing places at like 10 minutes in <laughs> That seems familiar. Wait a minute. 
<laughs> All right. <laughs> My number 35 is a relatively recent film as well. Uh, unfortunately, it was sent out to die in theaters and therefore was not very successful. But my number 35 is Dread. Woo! Carl Urban. Um, uh, don't, don't you think I didn't think about putting the Stallone Judge Dread somewhere on here as well out of novelty. But uh, <laughs> this is the this is the best John Carpenter movie that John Carpenter didn't direct. <laughs> um, I know that, you said that before, but it, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. true. Yeah, it's a simple... I think you mean Cronenberg, though. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> it's a simple, gnarly <laughs> sci-fi action movie. Carl Urban is perfect. I love, because, you know what, everyone jokes about the Stallone movie and how often he goes, I am the law. Law. I am the law. Right? And I love that this movie knows you're thinking about it, because it, it holds it back. It, it just, mm -hmm. it does it at the perfect moment where he finally says it. But, uh, it's hyperkinetic. It's a dystopian cyberpunk harsh future you know that's crappy and it's you know it's a low budget movie and it but it, the low budget fits it feels good i mean may, maybe like the comics i can't remember if the comics actually have the flying things and you know maybe taking that out changes it a little bit but it does feel like it fits in this grimy world where there's tons of gangs and drugs and the judges are busting indoors mm -hmm. and slow motion shooting people in the face yeah and... they're, they're trying to get to a villain that's at the top floor of a building and it's the journey there i've heard that it's a bit of a ripoff of the Raid films. I have not seen those. I've only seen this uh, one, so I think mm, that this one, to me, is a unique film. First of all, they came out very similar times, so I don't think it's possible. Secondly, people compare them because it's about someone going up a building to get to the main bad guy, but that okay. is where the comparisons end. Like, th Well, good, because I, I've given a lot of praise to this movie, <laughs> and I would hate to think that it ripped off anything. <laughs> also, this was written by Alex Garland. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt that the production was kind of troubled and he ended up actually directing most of it, just on so credit. This, yeah, this might be like a poltergeist Steven Spielberg situation. Yeah. This might technically be the first movie directed by Alex Garland, just mm. not in official terms. <laughs> right. So, um, but, you know, I, I would have loved the sequel. As apparently, the Netflix show is still apparently happening and it's possible they could get urban, but, uh, I mean, I don't want to get my hopes up. Yeah. But the movie's really fun. Um, it's it's the it's the kind of simple action movie they don't really make anymore, and it's a shame that it failed. And it, it I mean, it's not really the movie's fault. It was sent out to die. It, like the the week it came out, it had one showing a day, uh, in my theater. Like it was sent out with nothing. I didn't see it. Like I didn't go mm. see it because I there was the stank from the nineteen ninety five version. Of the stank. Movie. <laughs> You're about that's a, a rob schneider tour de force the, well the poster just shows you the man in the helmet and how do you not just think of the movie that wasn't very good <laughs> like i don't remember seeing trailers for the film if they mm. did i think they must have not advertised it very well uh, or tried to hide some things because yeah, I love this movie, and I totally skipped on it in the theaters as well. Yeah, this is one we've not done yet. I mean, you know, we did the we did the ninety five just read on Patreon as a bonus episode, so we really should do dread and the not yeah. distant future. This, this should be an early twenty twenty one priority. Add it to the list. I think I'm not going to say no. Uh, I do. I love the. You mentioned the poster. One of the alternate alternate posters is like it's just a black background, and you just see like the sort of the side of them that's stepping into the light. And it just mm -hmm. says judgment is coming and i'm like it's such a simple thing i'm like yeah <laughs> yeah it sounds cool now yeah. that i know that i love the movie i yeah. actually kind of like the original poster but in yeah. the beginning it, it just i don't know 
it seemed like a movie I wasn't going to enjoy. Yeah, I thought Anderson was really likable as well in the movie. Um, yes. But there you go. Um, I mean, you can't beat. Um, I'm blanking on her name, Karen, <laughs> Nancy Allen. <laughs> oh. No, never reference. mind. I'm thinking of someone else. And and if you think I just read the original, it was Diane. Uh, yes. Superman's Diane. bum. Yeah. <laughs> Diane Lane. Diane Lane. There you go. But they did a much better job with the character. Is it the same character? No. No. Well, well, well they did a much better job with the female sidekick. If it was the same <laughs> character, the original movie like forgot the whole telepath thing because because that's from the comics. She ha- she's part of the side like core force side course from babylon 5 but whatever they call it and yeah, yeah. uh so yeah. Well, i don't remember diane lane's character but she was the like the female partner to yes. to dread and uh, i did not like what they did with her but they did a much better job yeah i mean she's i mean she didn't have the, i mean if she was maybe that character she didn't have the telepath powers she was mm-hmm. kind of just there as the love interest kind of not till the end which yeah. was gross that was stretch. <laughs> Yes. Um, but hey, all right, there you go. That's dread. Uh, what's your 34? Uh, 34 is Her. Um, it is a movie about, again, not too distant future, one of my favorite genres of science fiction, um, about a very lonely man who falls in love with his OS. <laughs> and um, she is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. And well, that explains is... it. If it's Scarlett Johansson's voice coming out of the computer, then no, of course I mean, it's just the voice, right? But <laughs> she definitely passes the Turing test of whether or not she can be uh, a real person with real emotions. And you buy it when you watch the movie also. And you buy the love story. And um, it's it's uh, it's a sort of a science fiction movie that shows maybe the types of relationships that people have, which is a very important thing, companionship, can change in the future. And um, maybe it's still legit. Hmm? It's very good. You said her and all I could think of was... Uh, her? Her? Yeah, question mark. Her? <laughs> I know. It's an unfortunate title. Uh, my favourite, because you know, so often people do like a Photoshop of a movie poster, my favourite one of all time is just the her poster, but with her face instead of you know, Joaquin Phoenix with a question mark. <laughs> just yeah. perfect. The poor actress. <laughs> she be retitled Egg. Yeah, I, 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 I wonder every single time she goes to like a, a you know a, a, a casting session, and she's auditioning. For, she's, she, she's auditioning for a part. She walks in, and like someone goes, "Yeah, I think she might be good." And there's someone else at the table goes, "Her?" Just as a joke. They're not being serious, but they're just like, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I've heard this before." Yeah. All right. Uh, my number thirty-four is like, hold on to your your pants, everyone. All right. I know that's a surprising coming from me, but Star Wars. Okay, I'm not going to just artificially push <laughs> the best one out in my top fifty just to make my point that I'm sick of everything Star Wars in 2020. Right, the original trilogy is still very good, and the original film is my favorite of the three. That's what's number thirty-four here. Uh, I like the sense of adventure that it has. Um, I do like it more than Empire, which I know is not necessarily a popular opinion. But uh, to me, it's the trio being together. It's their interactions. It's Han playing off Luke and playing off Leia. That's what I like about this movie. 
mm-hmm. um and just the, the journey to the death star and sneaking around and all that stuff and um like the that, music the music's very we good can, of course yeah yeah uh, there's a sense of adventure for me and the characters being together uh and that's why i don't like empire as much because empire splits them apart and i don't really care about like training with yoda if i'm just going to be honest with you it's the worst part of that second movie but <laughs> but the original film is very good i still like empire i'm not shitting on empire too much i'm just saying like taste wise this much more appeals to me and i don't really care about the star wars mythos which is why i care when it's just the characters going on their adventure and yeah the mythos is there as a backdrop but the second one's where it kind of starts to be like, oh no, he's going to go see Yoda and they're going to talk about the Jedi and what it means to be a Jedi and all that. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> but I, do, I mean, yeah. I do like the the mythos. I'm, I mean, I think that's why there's so many of these Star Wars movies and television shows and mm. more in the works, baby. So get ready. Oh yeah, there's like Kay. 10 in the works. <laughs> and I mean, all the, the books are popular. The, the books that aren't even canon now are still very popular. The Legends books. I, there's a reason why this mythos has you know lingered and why saying you're a fan of star wars is not the same as you're saying you're a fan of star trek for example it's more accepted because it is it is fun it's a fun imaginary fantasy film series in a science fiction setting it is um i i also love this movie a lot and it will be on my list somewhere (laughs) spoiler oh dear and it is also my favorite Star Wars film. I think it's um I I think you just you can't you can't beat the shot of Luke with the twin sons and the music playing. Um I love the character of Luke Skywalker. I love Leia. Han Solo is not my favorite character, believe it or not, but um th- th- I I do like the dynamic of the three of them together and I think it's a wonderful adventure film. Yep. Okay that out of the way part of me wanted to just jettison it just because <laughs> I, I i hate all hey, modern things star wars it's but... the movie that changed science fiction films i mean before this was logan's run and a lot of, we've watched a lot of 70s it, science no, it's fiction true. films it's you true know? alien only got made because star wars was successful this is true this is this is why and a lot also of... star trek the motion picture which you love yes yes <laughs> uh, but like yes it, it led to a lot of things right mm-hmm. and for that i i will thank it but i i i, I just after Return of the Jedi, it could have just been done. I didn't need any more ever again. I was good. Um, and every time a new Mandalorian episode comes out, Twitter is just talking about it. And, eh, meh, 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 it's meh. a new Game of Thrones. Oh, I hate that too. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your number thirty-three? Uh, you'll be very happy to hear that my number thirty-three is Coherence from twenty fourteen. Yes, this is a movie that you really wanted me to watch, and you were right. It's a fantastic film. It's about uh, a party. <laughs> There's um, a group of maybe eight or ten people. I'm not. I don't really remember. At a dinner party, during a comet going overhead, and the power goes out. And when they go to look around, they see another house in the distance. And when they get there, it's not what they expect to see. <laughs> and I'll leave it there because yeah. <laughs> you don't really want to say anymore. <laughs> I just want you all to watch this movie. It's available for free on, I think, Tubi. And I think it's also on Amazon Prime. Yeah, there's a Prime, that. Yeah. Um, It's probably on other channels, too. Just just watch it. Yeah, so it's a, it's a puzzle. And it's again, it's the 12 Angry Men. It's people in a house. 
but yeah. it's so complex in its ideas that once it starts unraveling you're going oh oh i get this oh and i get that and you start to predict things you're like yeah yeah oh i was right oh i was wrong there oh yeah you may want to bring a notebook and watch it like three times <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you joke about that but it's actually quite easy to follow in the in the this journey it's yeah. not like primer and it's satisfying when you get something yeah. right or when it reveals something yeah it's, it's not like primer where you're sort of struggling to sort of keep track of everything mm-hmm. it's, it's it's actually very deft at dishing out the information at a rate and in a way that makes sense to the viewer as it's going don't get me wrong re-watching it is very rewarding because there's lots of little hints as well that are there too that aren't Definitely. as noticeable the first time but uh yeah here's is fantastic i am i'm so glad i'm so glad that this is the universe that you decide to put her here and on your, on your list. <laughs> uh say no more my my number 33 uh it's an all duplicate. Uh, my number thirty-three oh. is, a, is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Um, I, I think that's obviously it's a, a very artsy, science, low-budget science fiction film. Obviously, with a big cast, of course, you got Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. And, mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's his face? Frodo's running around being a dick. Uh, but <laughs> Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood. That's the one. Um, so um he's a little bit of a dick in the movie huh yes yeah he's kind of an asshole (laughs) in the movie but you know it's this it's this movie about you you're erasing your memories of a relationship and i don't think it's spoiling too much to say that maybe along the way like that's ultimately a bad choice (laughs) and ultimately the character's arc is about kind of discovering that there's more to it than that but uh when you're going through a loss though it feels like the easiest way to get over somebody but then mm-hmm. you, if you lose the memories, like it, it changes who you are. Like that's, that's growth. You know, there's a lot. Yeah. Th- yeah. This movie really makes you. It's a drama. It's just, think about that. It's more about you know, yeah. I mean, all science fiction at its core is about exploring humanity and you know different aspects mm-hmm. of humanity. But uh, this is a drama that's, that's poised to make you think about the importance of pain and and grieving and loss and uh, and not because of a death. It's not a death in this case, but. Uh, that's, that's like kind of what it, though, yeah. yeah so uh, yeah i mean i already talked about it uh, i don't really want to add much more uh just to say that it's uh a wonderful little film so uh what was your number 32 uh number 32 is a movie that we watched recently it is the stepford wives from 1975 i mm. loved this movie <laughs> it is um not exactly what i expected it's uh about a family centers on a woman who is moving to the town of Stepford, where the women in this town are acting very strange. Hmm. And um, we follow our lead character, who's Catherine something? I don't remember her name. Catherine Ross, right? Yeah, Catherine Ross, yeah. Catherine uh, Ross. I'd basically, without getting into spoilers, I'd say the way the, the a lot of the wives in the town are acting is almost like a Body Snatchers movie. It feels like something's not right something's changed it's yeah um and yeah it's a Catherine ross and is she in danger and um it's a very very thought-provoking science fiction film um and i i found it incredibly relatable when it was talking about um things like uh, loss of identity when you um, take on different roles like gender roles and um i i really thought it was fantastic and became 
quickly became one of my favorite sci-fi movies after we watched it. Yeah, it's, it's honestly quite ahead of its time in a lot of the things that it, it pokes at. Like, I mean, I'm sure the phrase was never used, but there's definitely a couple of scenes where I, I went, this is gaslighting, there's gaslighting happening in this scene. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that, that that phrase, to describe it that way, had never been used in, in the 70s. It was like a fairly modern... Uh, no, I mean, it's taken from a movie called Gaslighting, I think, which is, is it? from oh, like the 50s. That is news to me, but fair enough. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a 50s movie. This is a, a Chekhov's gun situation for me all over again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, got, um, I'll think about it. Yeah, but no, I, I, I think it's a, a very impressive film, and I, I, I think it's worth making clear that the Ingmarburg. I, yeah. I never saw, I've never seen the remake, but the remake with Nicole Kidman from the two thousands is like a quirky comedy from what I've seen from the trailer. So I, I don't know if I, 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 I the only yeah, reason I've, bring... I've heard mixed things, the... but I, I expect to be disappointed. The only reason why I'm bringing that up is just because I think if you've at least seen like some of the trailer for that or something and you're expecting that type of movie for this original. The original is not a comedy. The original no. is very much a proper kind of serious, kind of slow tension building thriller science fiction film about what's happening to the women in this town and what's eventually maybe going to happen to the main character and her trying to sort of fight back against that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's very good. Very good. That's a solid pick. My number 32 is a clockwork orange this is Stanley Whoa. kubrick kubrickian <laughs> as, it's as, very uh, kubrickian i'd say yeah very kubrickian it's funny, it's funny how when Stanley not like kubrick makes a movie it feels like a kubrick film uh, <laughs> obviously it's very hyper reality it's very violent it's very dark the director himself uh, asked for it to be banned in the uk for a number of years uh because he was worried of people copying the the, the violent acts of the gang in the film and and stuff like that but it's a very harsh film that looks at the idea of what rehabilitation is and uh what works and what doesn't what's hum- what's humane and what's not humane uh all in this very dystopian cynical dark society that is just a. it's almost like a fever dream watching clockwork orange it just feels mm-hmm. like you're in like a, a hellscape uh but the way the dialogue bounces the way that the, the lines they have are so weird that like it's, it's almost or the main character played by Michael McDowell, it's almost like, he, it's not quite Shakespearean, but he's kind of like, the way he's like, talking around things, and the way he phrases things is, very eloquent in a way that a teenager would It's one of my favourite performances of, like, all time, is his performance in the film. I think he was mm. born to play this role. Yeah, uh, and then of course, uh, Butcher, uh, Sam Loomis, and the remake of Halloween, uh, many years later. Mm. Damn you. <laughs> and he kills Kirk. Spoiler. Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> warning like that. But you said there might be some mild spoilers. Mild spoiler. So and so kills this big character. <laughs> mild spoiler. I mean, I'll let it pass just because Star Trek Generations is kind of a mediocre movie. But I didn't say what movie it was going to be in. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you spoiled it. <laughs> it doesn't matter in this case, it's Captain Kirk. <laughs> they, they know eventually it's going to be one of the Star Treks. Oh, yep. dear. Um, okay, what's your number 31? Uh, my 31 is another duplicate. We're actually going to start getting into some duplicates here. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's... Be, naturally, there's going to be more as we get higher up the list. But Yeah, yeah just do we have some at the same slot? That's going to be... Do you know what? I think every you know double list I've done like this, whether it's been with you or Tim or Connor, 
they've all had at least one. Yeah. So we'll see if that, that remains true this time. Well, 31 is the fifth element, which we've already talked ah, about. Yeah. And it is a very, a very cool vision of the future. It's very fun. Um, I saw this movie when I was a kid in theaters and I, you know, absolutely loved it because it was so colorful and action. And I loved Ruby Rod. <laughs> he was so funny. Um, I think it's a, it's a movie that unfortunately it has a trope when you look back on it now, it's, it's something new that I've discovered because of YouTube. Um, mm. I think there's a YouTuber who coined the phrase, the, um, born sexy yesterday of the female <laughs> character who is sure. a full adult woman, but with a mind of a child. And it's a little bit, you know, disturbing now when you look back and watch movies that have this trope and you're like, and I guess that is a little bit gross because if it, the roles were, the genders were re reverse, like there's no way a woman would tolerate that. <laughs> like we don't want a baby. That's a old adult man, <laughs> you know, that we, we, we're not trying to mold anybody. Yeah. But it's a little okay. gross when it's, the genders are flipped, you know? So uh, unfortunately it has a little bit of that stank on it now because I can't unsee it once you... You know, I see think the trope. I'm not. I'm not trying to defend this. I'm. I'm just going to try in the logic <laughs> of the movie. Maybe see how they're trying to get away with it. Is sure. that she's technically thousands, if not millions, of years old, <laughs> and it's just she's the, naive. Yeah, but it's because she does learn things very quick. Yes. So, I mean, admittedly, yes, she's technically the trope. Almost always comes with the fact yeah. that she's also capable of uh, extreme strength or something yeah. else, high intelligence. Um, the same thing happens in the the tron sequel um i would say the character in serenity is also like that um river it also has a bit of that trope i, I see but you the, squinting but there's no romance <laughs> with her what are we talking about uh, no but i mean she still has a little bit of that trope and she also didn't like just get born sexy yesterday she's she oh. has that naivete oh. but she is an adult woman uh it's it's there she's a teenager okay. she's not an adult woman i i don't know if that's <laughs> i don't know if this applies uh, and it's not just because i'm defending serenity like i, I don't okay. know if that one applies well, we'll talk about it when it comes up on your list but like number two or something stupid how, how dare you how dare you try and predict <laughs> <laughs> how dare you um um i agree it's disturbing though i, I don't think river yeah. falls into that because river like literally has no romance plots in any of fireflies already <laughs> but whatever i probably would have had fifth element a lot higher but since you know i saw that video it's hard not to think about it when i see the trope now but regardless it is still a very fun movie um i don't love all the characters but i i love how how, how i don't know it's just it's such a goofy movie that you still take seriously it's really multipath multi-pass multi-pass uh very good all right uh, we're staying in the 90s then so my number 31 is gattaca uh which cool. is ethan hawk oh ethan hawk again look at that he's he's, he's a young ethan hawk middle ethan hawk maybe maybe in his old age he's gonna, he's gonna make a big sci-fi movie when he's in his like 60s and i can he have made, him... um that one we watched predestination oh yeah okay so okay so we have uh kid ethan hawk we have 20 something ethan hawk we got like late 30s ethan hawk and we're yeah if we make something in the 60s we can have the all the, the various stages <laughs> the twilight year yeah ethan hawk <laughs> yes and then one day when he's like 80 something he can be like the old man in the wheelchair like giving the exposition or something <laughs> it's like okay we've, com we've completed the cycle 
the cycle of hawk but <laughs> simple premise really in a lot of ways is you know it's the, the not too distant future science has cracked the ability to predict at birth how likely someone is to get you know various illnesses uh you know by certain ages and ethan hawk is this character who's told that he's likely to get sick you know er- relatively early in life and because of that he's not allowed to have you know the you know the 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 prejudice system in the in the, the world has changed from what it was before to who is likely to die young and who is not and that's now what they see is like valuable so he's expected to take menial jobs he's expected to take low-paying jobs and he's not allowed to dream of being anything greater than that but he does want to be greater than that so he essentially illegally with the help of a couple of characters basically fakes his identity so he can get into the space program because he wants to be an astronaut that's what his dream is he wants to do that and that's what he's always dreamed of um so it's a great kind of like suspenseful movie of him like pulling all this off and trying to do all these things and emma thurman's in there as well jude law's uh another character and it's essentially a movie about the freedom of humanity and about how it's important that we don't know how lately you are to have that's the idea that it's there's, there's an equality and that we don't know who's going to get sick and who's who is and who isn't and Mm-hmm. that just because there's a like a 95 percent chance you're going to get six that five percent is worth fighting for and that five percent's worth it so it's, a, it's actually a very hopeful movie despite the fact that it's in this very sort of dystopian world that is kind of like shutting down people's hopes and dreams the idea of fighting through it and like having the chance no matter what is very aspirational and very uplifting and all the rest of it so that's what the movie's about it is a wonderful little movie that i, I think i saw for the first time when i was young and maybe didn't love it that much because i didn't really get it as <laughs> to the same extent but when i saw it a little bit later either in my late teens early 20s whatever it was i'm like damn this is actually a really good movie this is this is exactly what i, I want out of a, a thoughtful science fiction film so yeah i haven't seen it in um well over a decade so it is not on my list i didn't it's not that i didn't think about it i remembered it being great i just wouldn't know how to you know where what order it would have been so i'd like to wait for a rewatch before i would include it but it probably would make my list because i remember it being exceptional yeah uh gag is uh very very good um i cannot recommend that enough what is your number 30 i'm so excited to talk about this it's another duplicate Uh but it is the 1988 the blob (laughs) (laughs) a movie that we watched and both loved just for its its full-on camp um a lot of people die and every death is worth it <laughs> but but hockey season ended 15 entries ago <laughs> very nice um i don't really have too much more to say other than please watch the blob the 1988 version you could skip the rest <laughs> starring <laughs> art lefleur and uh one of the well, kevin dylan i'd say is the star of it yes. and the woman from the saw movies yeah shawnee smith uh also on yeah. becker she was uh the receptionist the sort of dumb receptionist on becker <laughs> well she's very good in this and she's not she's not dumb which we established this was on, wasn't on a podcast but we established i watched a lot of becker because terry farrell was in it but shawnee smith was also there <laughs> And Ted, and Ted Dance is nice. Uh, the problem with it, Ted Dance is really likable, dude. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, unless, it, unless it's Kirby Enthusiasm. He's not that likable in that show. I think he's likable in that show because he's like an antagonist to Larry. And it's fun to yeah. watch them play off each other. Because <laughs> it's, it's not like Larry's likable, per se. Even though I... I sim- no, but we like him. Yeah. Like, I, I definitely find myself agreeing with Larry David more than I like to admit. <laughs> but... 
But yes, the blob, it, it, wonderful, wonderful time. Um, uh, I love that it's so high. Okay, my number 30, and <laughs> uh, we're duplicating again, my number 30 is Time Crimes. All right. Uh, I think what I'll add on to what we said already about this is that uh, I love that there are parts of it that almost turn to a straight horror movie, um, mm-hmm. especially early on. Uh, there's kind of like a figure wearing bandages with a knife, and is it, some of that stuff is really well done. And it, but it doesn't feel like any other typical Hollywood like horror movie. Like the way it's like broad daylight, but it still feels kind of tense. Is this character is just like caught up in this like cat and mouse chase and everything? It's just it's just delightful. And obviously everything unravels and we get like all these twists and turns and everything going on and um it's kind of like i think we said this when we reviewed it but it's kind of like a more well-constructed primer for the audience in a lot of ways because it's it's got complex time travel ideas but it presents them in a way that's not intentionally obtuse like primer it's more okay we've actually put this into a movie and it works as a movie that you can follow and if you want to think about it more and rewatch it and get all the little details, they're there. But if you don't, you'll just have a fun time mm-hmm. and enjoy the journey. And the movie like conveniently splits itself into stages, mm-hmm. so that also helps with the rewatch and trying to see the clues. Oh. Um, yeah, a very fun movie. I loved it. I've recommended this movie since we watched it to a few people who mm-hmm. also agree that it is worth your time. Yeah. So time cranes, but number thirty. All right, we're getting into the 20s now. We're getting, we're getting to some serious business here. What is your number 29? Well, I just did the 80s remake of uh, The Blob. My next one is also an 80s remake of a 50s movie. It is The Fly. You know, for a second there in my head, I was like, wait, she's already done the thing. So Yeah, so I've like, done the whole the yeah. 80s <laughs> remake 50s trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> They're all on my list. Yeah, the, the yeah. three 80s remakes that are better than the 50s originals. Yes. Yeah. It's almost a, yeah, right, yeah, it's almost a trilogy at this point. Yeah. Um, okay, you should yeah. have included that on your list. Of your top trilogy list. Oh, sure, yes. yes. Well, I hadn't seen The Blob yet, unfortunately. You're right. So it wasn't eligible Time yet. Time to redo the list. Yeah. Um, yeah, The Fly. Uh, Jeff Goldblum as Seth Brundle is figuring out um, how to make a portal system or a transporter and um, a fly lands into one of the transports while he's testing it on himself and the DNA gets mixed up and his relationship with Gina, Gina Davis is um, on the rocks because of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's putting it lately, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a, you know, if you like body horror, this is probably the best example of a body horror film yeah great practical effects uh wonderful tone not my favorite Cronenberg film and it is actually Cronenberg. yeah this one actually is yeah it's actually Cronenberg <laughs> uh it's, it's not an accidental John Carpenter movie um yes. but <laughs> I do that I don't know why I do that but um it's yeah I agree it, it probably is my favorite Cronenberg is, is that why you like possess so much directed by Brandon Carpenter <laughs> that was a good movie yeah so <laughs> maybe maybe it would make my 100 we should do that next time maybe so it'd be less stress on me <laughs> this was stressful doubling the less is less stress all right <laughs> yeah because then i i can include so many movies that i i didn't want to cut <laughs> okay my my number 29 is a biggie uh, uh that's one fluctuates up and down depending really but my number 29 is the matrix uh mm. obviously like it's, it's, i don't have to explain too much you know so it's about 
a character named Neo who is basically awoken to the fact that he is living in a computer simulation. Uh, the, you know, the machine society is using humans essentially as batteries and to keep us all at bay, we're all asleep and we're inside the Matrix, which is this just computer digital VR world. Uh, and he wakes up and the human resistance that's fighting in the real world, you know, basically say that he might be important. You know, Morpheus is all, you know, you might be the chosen one. Uh, <laughs> because into every generation, as you know, there is the chosen one. <laughs> oh, the stars have went. The stars disappeared. I don't know what I was saying when the stars disappeared. <laughs> should have, You're should talking have, about the Matrix. I, I, know, I, know, well, I know I was talking about the Matrix, but I don't know what the point was I was making at the time. Um, but yes, so I was, I was making I was, a stupid Buffy the Vampire uh, Slayer reference. Ah, yes, the head television show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> and what's funny is the sequel kind of makes it work with the Buffy intro in a weird way, uh, with the, the architect. But anyway, well, I want to get to that because uh, the sequels are best left forgotten. But The Matrix is a wonderful film that is pretty much flawless. And what's really interesting is uh, hearing the directors who, who are trans and have since, you know, uh, transitioned and, and came out that way, uh, have talked about how the film is actually kind of a metaphor for basically feeling like you're not in the right place. So the, whole, the whole idea of Neil realizing that he's not in, where he's supposed to be is kind of a metaphor for being trapped in a, in a world, in a body that you're not actually comfortable in and you know i don't i don't think i've ever watched the film with that knowledge like after yeah yeah but, after you know, their transition so it would be interesting to watch it again with that knowledge and it's something we'll be doing relatively soon because the new one's coming out next year uh so i'm we, excited for it yeah yeah we'll be working through the the, the, the trilogy and uh but not you know, that the not that they've made anything good recently <laughs> yeah it's been a while yeah uh cloud atlas was oofed uh, <laughs> yeah, some people really love that film. Uh, I I appreciate the ambition of it, but it, it it's not that good. And although I have to admit, I didn't dislike Speed Racer. It was for what it was. I didn't it, see it. It was entertaining. Enough. I saw Jupiter Ascending though. That was not very. Good. Oh, I did not see that. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard I've heard wacky things about that. Uh, but no, The Matrix is is a wonderful science fiction film. It's a wonderful cyberpunk film. It's a wonderful action movie. Uh, I mean, admittedly. It's almost a little tainted because everything had to copy it for the next like five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the early two thousands were like horrible for all the bullet time effects that everything had. To, even I, I remember the, the 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 crappy Charles Charlie's Angels movie from like two thousand two having a bullet time sequence. I'm like, why yeah, are you doing this? I, I get why scary movies doing it, but why are you doing this? You're supposed to be an actual movie. Stop it. <laughs> um, but it does look good in the movie itself, and uh, the effects hold up better than the sequels do. Like I don't know if you remember the second one with all the all the Agent Smiths. Oh, like, I remember. It lo- it looked like shit in the theater. I remember seeing that in the theater, but this looks like a crappy video game. Why? why... Yeah, they become rubber people. Yeah, really, really silly. But the original is fantastic. It is a, a story of inner strength and realizing who he is. And it's it's got all the hallmarks of just a great idea, and yeah, there's a lot of stuff taking uh, from other, you know. I, I know there are big fans of, like anime and stuff, and it it does feel like even though we don't like anime typically us too, and we love the Matrix, you can kind of tell that a lot of the ideas feel like they've come from that part of the world. They come from that mm-hmm. type of storytelling because it's not the ideas, it's not the core ideas that we have problems with in anime. At least I don't anyway. I, I don't think it's more how the stories are told and how it's always like. I've I've just not connected to yeah. any, and, and please don't recommend any for me to watch in the comments. No. I'm not going to. Yeah, me neither. I'm also not <laughs> going to. Uh, but 
the matrix is is very memorable i, I remember watching it a lot the, the the first couple of years it was out it, it, it was hard not to be enraptured with the the world it created the the, fe- yeah. the the look of the the real world for a start you know the the ship going through like this basically just massive it was almost like a yeah, Tetsu, the Iron Man world. Like when they're, mm-hmm. they're, I would never have said that at the time. Obviously, I didn't know what that was, but <laughs> it's just this mess of like pipes and cables and steel and grunge and all the rest of it. The sort of cyberpunk, the sort of Borg esque thing that I, yeah. I, I love in this type of stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I'm assuming you're going to talk about this later, so I'll move on now. I yeah yeah, it's not really that much of a yeah, well. big surprise. Yes, the Matrix will also be on my list. Okay, what is your number twenty eight? Uh, number 28 is my first Star Wars movie. It is oh. Star Wars The Last Jedi. <laughs> the, the first? No! <laughs> How many? How many? Yeah. Um, I think that The Last Jedi, I know it is a a movie that is very divisive, but I am on Team Last Jedi and Ryan Johnson for sure. I think it is a movie that defies expectations and it has a theme of sometimes you fail um and whether or not you think the movie fails i certainly don't i think it is an important message and i think it um it breaks tropes and i think it has really strong female characters in it and it's a very very strong movie for carrie fisher who even though is technically in um the rise of skywalker this to me is her last the last time she really truly played Leia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it stars my Porg, my Christmas Porg. I I am not uh, a fan <laughs> of Last Jedi, but I will make this very clear. I won't go into it too much, but I'll just make it clear. I do not. The reasons why I dislike this are not the same as why the majority of toxic Star Wars fans don't like it. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, um, that it is it is a, even though I think it's a really uneven awkwardly paced movie and i have a lot of like problems with it it is a goddamn masterpiece compared to the boardroom assembled fan service wank fest that rise of skywalker was you know i really hope that ryan johnson is still making that star wars trilogy like i know because of the backlash like i don't know the the last movie was changed so much from what it was probably originally supposed to be and i think that was just a result of the backlash from the fans that people are trying to course correct and i really wish that they just that they were the the studio was stronger and stuck to their guns and told the story they wanted to tell rather than what they thought that people wanted to hear because this was a very brave movie like it was taking your heroes and putting them in positions where they're not really acting so heroic and but i think <laughs> but it's still true to their character you know i love the character of luke skywalker he is my favorite in the in the original trilogy, and I think this is a really fitting film for his um, you know, where his character goes. And I think the the, the really big scenes are shot so beautifully. Um, some of the most epic scenes in the whole franchise. And uh, I will I will fight this. I will fight on the mountain of the Last Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm pretty much done talking about Star Wars. I, I've just kind of opted out of discussing it as much as I possibly can until we have to review it, obviously. Um, but That'll be fine. Um, <laughs> like, I, res- I respect the film, 
but for, for trying to do something different because i was saying for a long time that it had to do the star wars had to do different things and had to stop relying on the same stuff i just don't like it did do that but i also just didn't like what it was at the same time which maybe you'll like it on a rewatch what, what am i this is i will get to it this, this could be a whole tangent but one of my most hated critiques that we get in comments or i just see on twitter or i see on the internet in general is that when you say you don't want x thing so a movie is y thing and then you say well i still don't like this and then someone says but you want to do something different so why aren't you in love with it because because there's lots of different things you could do some of them i will like and some of them i will not like like it, just because it's it's not just option a or option b there's a whole alphabet right there's an infinite <laughs> alphabet even just because it's not doing the one exact thing i said it shouldn't do doesn't mean that i was going to like just anything else it would do but i mean a lot of my complaints are more from a, a general filmmaking perspective it's story structure it's how the, the plots interact with each other it's character uh, arcs and things like that that i don't like uh not because oh they ruined the character look shop bunch of nerds i love luke's journey bunch of nerds uh <laughs> okay what number was that 28 28 okay my number 28 we're returning once again to a franchise that i've already brought up it's time to pour one out for the whales because this is star trek 4 yeah <laughs> the voyage home god you have more star trek movies on your list than i do that's <laughs> embarrassing <laughs> um well I'm, I'm about to say this is my favorite so i mean i'm oh, out okay. i'm done <laughs> after this but uh Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home is my favorite Star Trek movie, um, and there's a few others that could have been like squeezed on there. There's a couple others that I was in Final contention. Frontier. Definitely not that one. <laughs> Definitely not that one. Um, That's but, another hill I'll die on. <laughs> yeah, I think you were pretty alone in that hill, though. Uh, compared to Last Jedi, um, the Star Trek Four is delightful. It's a time travel movie where they come back to then present day 1980s to find some whales because there's a problem in the future. That will be solved because they need like the whale call. The whales have to respond to the aliens who are back for their whales or something. <laughs> I can't remember the exact reason, but they go back in time to the eighties to get whales because they're extinct in the future. So we have Kirk and Spock and the crew interacting with regular people in present day San Francisco, and it is delightfully charming. It's funny. There's good character arcs. The banter between Kirk and Spock is on top form. McCoy cracking jokes about how archaic the medicine is. You know, in the hospital. Uh, just the stuff like that is delightful. Scotty try to talk into the computer mouse. Computer? Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, this just, is the closest they got to Galaxy Quest. It, yeah, kind of is in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, but I do think, like, Star Trek doesn't always do comedy well. But I think sometimes when it nails the comedy, and it arguably nailed comedy the best with the original crew. That, that At least in my experience, it has done with any other crews I've seen since then. Um yep. And I think part of it is just that wonderful chemistry between that core trio. Uh, what one of the, one of I think the biggest crimes in Star Trek is that it always says Kirk and Spock, and it seems to always gloss over that it's a trio. It's not a pair. McCoy is just as important to that trio uh, as the other two parts in are in the movies. Yeah, they yeah. they do really gloss over that. Uh, and I think that's a shame because I think he deserves his journey. One of my favorite things about Star Trek Beyond uh, is that it felt like McCoy was a bit more elevated than that. You know, out of the other newer yeah. ones, but. I love the new ones. I think that one is the best. Yeah, I know. I agree. It's the best. Um, and maybe that was in consideration. Maybe it wasn't for my top fifty. Maybe mm-hmm. I, I will say this: if we would do a top one hundred in a year or two, you'd definitely see some more Trek in the other oh, half yeah. for sure. But 
but Star Trek Four is my favorite. It's delightful and uh, charming, and just just a fun time. And uh, yeah, so I absolutely agree. Boy, Chom, what is your <laughs> number twenty-seven? Uh, twenty-seven is a foreign film. It is 1954's Godzilla. Gojira. Gojira. It is, um, uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's uh, about a giant uh, monster who comes from the sea and destroys the town of Tokyo. <laughs> the town of Tokyo. But it's not. It's about much more, right? It's <laughs> the about town, nuclear I'm power still, again. <laughs> I'm still on the town of Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> not the not the major city hey, of Tokyo. I used to live there. I can call it that. <laughs> well, it's mostly destroyed. Uh, uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with uh, Godzilla. The original Godzilla is uh, is the masterpiece, and we've not done any Godzillas yet uh, on the Ace. Partly because me and Carter did a bunch of them, so we're kind of you know letting them sit for a bit. But right. when Godzilla versus King Kong comes out, it will be a time to start looking at them, maybe and yeah. We've discussed maybe the plans for that and like how we're going to tackle them, but that was supposed uh, to be a this year thing. So yeah. hopefully next year. Well, it's coming. Is it Warner H- Brothers? Yeah, it's coming to HBO Max. Uh, oh, so great. we're so we're definitely getting it. Even if theaters are shut for the rest of the year, we're definitely getting that at least. Well, I'm glad, but also sad. <laughs> I want theaters to survive. <laughs> it's also a very theater friendly movie, unfortunately. So you know, yeah. you want the big monsters on screen. You want. I want to feel the floor shake when he roars, you know? Yeah. This is, I think, the only movie where Godzilla is truly the villain of the film. Um, it is, even though he is a result of nuclear power, again, like, this is post-Hiroshima I mean, and as, Nagasaki, so... As per usual, man is the true monster. <laughs> You're right. Man is, <laughs> um, man is the villain. There is an Oppenheimer-esque character yeah. who also creates another type of bomb. Um, but it, you know, it's, it's a movie that took advantage, I'd say, of the world that they were in to film, uh, a disaster film that, um, started a, a huge franchise that is like yeah. 25 movies long or something and, crazy. It's like the James Bond of Japan. <laughs> uh, it was 28 and then Godzilla, res- or what was that newer one called? Resurgence? Whatever the newer yeah. one was called, that was 29. That was a 29th Japanese Godzilla movie, not counting the animes <laughs> from Netflix. But yeah, um, I will say the first one is like such a like a horror movie. Like they actually uh, the black and white helps it so much. Like because a lot of the goofiness of the costume and stuff is hidden. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's a lot about what you don't see, but you do get to see like real wreckage and carnage yeah. in the of the city because you know it's it was filmed post World War Two. And as a lot to say, these, you know, it's yeah. about the dangers of creating monstrosities and. You know, uh, you know, weapons, and of course, Japan being the country that's the most affected by right. nuclear weapons, there's you know, it just makes a lot of sense. It comes from a real place of exploration and kind of like almost grieving for what happened, and sort of saying, "Okay, yeah. this is what happened." And it's not, it's, 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 and the message of the film is not, you know, we are vengeful because this was done to us. The message of the film is, you know, we have learned firsthand why we should not be doing this. Yes, uh, we have to, you know, be better and so on. In the words of Edward. They tampered in God's domain. <laughs> we'll talk about him when Plan 9 from Outer Space comes up on my list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just kidding. It's not on there. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's top 50 I best. I considered it. It was but on my list of runners-up. It's top 50 best, Tara, not top, not 50 worst. 
Save that for another day. It's uh, fun. Uh, <laughs> okay, so my number 27 is the original Invisible Man from 1933. Wow. Yeah. Claude Rains. Yes, Claude Rains, indeed. Uh, this is a delightfully charming sci-fi comedy uh, of of a uh, of someone who is already like gone mad from being invisible. It sort of happens off screen, like he's already invisible at the start. But the comedy and the way he like laughs that because he he doesn't have much to give his performance because he can't see him, and he, even when he's got bandages wrapped around him, he's, he's still hiding everything. So the way he enunciates the laugh, the way he's going crazy, the way he's playing with people, and especially once people start trying to hunt him, and like he's just like causing chaos, it is a delightful experience. Um, <laughs> that I think holds up. It is my favorite of the Universal classic monsters. Uh, I, I, I don't even have to think about it. I, just, I, I love the Invisible Man so much. And a uh, young Gloria Stewart in it. Hmm. As the female. Most as people the, probably know her as the old lady in Titanic. As the female. <laughs> yes. I'm sure she had a name. But, yeah. you know, it's classic Hollywood. She's the female. <laughs> <laughs> the blonde. She, she faints, yeah. She, she's there to be in love with the main character and faint, yes. Yeah. No wonder everyone had day beds back in the day. They had they had fainting sofas. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I also love this film, and it is uh, not, unfortunately, unfortunately, it's not on my list, but um, I like to think, you know, in the movie they say that he's going mad because of something in the serum that's causing mm-hmm. it, but I like to think that being invisible would just cause people to go mad with power. Mm. I think that's I think that's the real reason. Interesting take. Yeah. Uh, but there you go, that's my number 27, which means you're about to give your cliffhanger entry because this is the last <laughs> entry of the episode. It's so, Ta- so Tara, what is your number 26? Mad Max Fury Road. Whoa, yes. Yeah, what a glorious big. day. I had a hard time deciding where to put this on the list and yeah, it's right in the middle. Um, just because I, I guess I haven't seen it in a little while, but it is a beautiful film. It's beautifully shot. It is a simple premise of Max is helping a group of women escape a very horrible man and situation across the desert while being chased. Although notably, um, he's not actually there to help them. He just, he's there by happenstance at first. He, Right. It kind, of, it kind of becomes a part of that plot. He's, he's kind of yeah. just, he's like a third party who's neutral until things kind of, <laughs> you know, smash them together. Yeah, but. exactly. Um, he is the reluctant hero. <laughs> yes. And not even, like, it's it's more Fur- Furiosa's movie. Um, and uh, I like, I like this world. It, another, another movie that proves that some directors just still have it, and George Miller does, and They've been promising us a sequel for this for a while now, and I, I hope it's coming because I want well, it. I like this world. There was a pretty big gap between Thunderdome and Fury Road, so I'd... I'd uh, yeah, this one was 2013, and they, they like, they let a sequel right away. Oh, 15? 15, yeah. Yeah. Well, they greenlit that sequel right away, and it's still... It's been five years. I used to, I, I was talking about it relatively recently, so hopefully it's, you know, going to materialize. Well, I mean, if he needs more time... It's, yeah. it's cool. Don't rush it. Well, you're not ready. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said with uh, Road Warrior, the idea that the, the main plot of the movie is typically something that Mad Max stumbles into, and it's not mm-hmm. about him. He's more just kind of this roguish hero who comes in and ends up helping. And then, because 
you know that's kind of what happens here he kind of ends up involved and like if, you know it feels like yeah whatever the next one is although i think they're actually doing like a furiosa prequel instead as the next one they are with anna taylor joy yeah yeah i think that's who they cast yeah. um but you get the impression you have to do another Mad Max with Hardy. Yeah, he will just stumble into another situation that needs his help. Uh, I mean, I trust that the prequel will be in good hands, but honestly, I didn't really need a prequel to Furiosa. I don't yeah. need to know how she lost her arm. I liked her character because it was kind of, like, obviously she's had a really hard hard life. It's a harsh world that she lives in, and that was enough. <laughs> but I'm sure if the movie has something to say, then I'll enjoy it. This is a story of Max meets girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who's not a love interest, thankfully. No, that doesn't do that at all. Uh, which is good. Uh, and also the what villain. Your... The villain is like absolutely disgustingly horrific. Yeah. He, the actor just passed away actually recently, which is a shame. But uh, mm-hmm. he's this awful little troll of a man with this like gas mask on. He's who's also the villain in the first Mad Max movie. Yes, but you don't recognize him because he's so. You know, he's so he much plays old. a different character. Yeah. But yeah, he's so much actor. older, he's got a mask on, his hair's all wacky and different. Like, you don't even realise. Uh, so my cliffhanger for the, for the first half of this, uh, my number 26, is something a bit different, a bit quirky, and it is a Korean film called Save the Green Planet, which we've not done in the show yet, uh, but this is one that I fell in love with back when I, when I bought the DVD, because I used to just blind buy DVDs back in high school to check out movies that seemed interesting. And this is a sci-fi comedy about a man who believes the aliens are invading the Earth and he's kidnapped someone to interrogate him. And he does that a couple of times. And the movie is really, like, you know, obviously there is, by the end, kind of an answer. But the movie is very much about, is he crazy? And this is all in his head. He's got good intentions, but he's actually a psychopath. Uh, Or is there actually something going on here and he's right and everyone else is wrong for trying to, like, stop him from doing this? Well, if it's uh, on your sci-fi list, then I think we know which ending is right. No, that's not... <laughs> it It works either way. Okay. Uh, it's Because it, it's so much about the, the... The threat of the aliens coming and have they already taken over? Have they already, like, infiltrated and all that? Um, but it's got a very... It, it, Korean cinema is very good at bouncing around tones in a way that, like, Hollywood couldn't even try. Like, it, it'll jump from being really funny to really, like, serious and tense to really quirky to really heartwarming and it, it bounces around so effortlessly it's it's it's, it's basically just you know voodoo dark magic that i can't explain and it's uh i don't know what 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 devil they made a deal with but uh they, they can <laughs> something do something in the kimchi i guess uh but no it's a delightful film and very unique very very uh very, very yeah just it's very distinct and it's its own thing and uh, I always like that. It's, it's nice. It's nice not to just have a lot of franchise sequels and stuff, and mm-hmm. sort of give it to something that is kind of its own thing. And it's not just a rip off of some other movie either. So uh, that's Save the Green Planet, which wraps up the first half of our top fifty sci-fi movies. Uh, so you can let us know what you think of our picks in the comments below. Um, if you made it this far into the review. Uh, put the word. I mean, what movie did I take it from? We've talked about uh, literally 50 movies. Yeah, put Cronenberg. Yeah, put Cronenberg in the comments <laughs> uh, if you made it this far. Um, Tara's going to do her pose for the thumbnail. Uh, and likewise... Do you do the same one for both? I mean, we could, but I mean, you could still do it here. 
Okay. <laughs> I mean, either way, I need to pause. So here we go. Three, two, one. Pause. You got it? Yeah, I guess that'll do. <laughs> I'm definitely making you do another one at the end of the second half, though, just in case it's better. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so yes that is the first half of our top 50 sci-fi movies uh you can of course um you know like and subscribe let us know what our, you think of our picks in the comments uh if you want to support us you can hit, hit the like button that's the free option you know liking comment and subscribing all those things and it helps us out a lot because youtube will promote us out a little bit more uh tara is going to tell you about how you can support us financially yeah, if you enjoy the content, please check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate as those $1 per month, you will get access to bonus movies of The Ace, including Judge Dredd, which has unfortunately been brought up in this episode. <laughs> uh, Time Cop, which has not been brought up yet. And some other gems. So please head over and check that out. And if you donate $5 per month, you will get access to the episodes a day early. And some shows you get a week early. So, thank you. So, there you go. Uh, also, catch us on Twitter at mail underscore fuzz for channel updates. Uh, but otherwise, that is, uh, that is us. That is part one uh, of our top 50 sci-fi movies. So, we will see you next week for part two with all the, the biggies uh, presumably coming. Uh, and also, maybe Rocketman and Tara. I think she's lying. She, she claims ah. that Rocketman's not appearing on the top 25, but I'm not. I'm not convinced. <laughs> I'm not convinced. All right, that is but us. Draw <laughs> uh, that gif of like a Thor from Thor Ragnarok, where he's like, "Is it though?" Like, uh, that's the face that I wanted to embody there. So just think mm -hmm. of him going, ah, "Is it though?" Uh, that is <laughs> the Atomic Cyber Experiment. That has been the first half of our top fifty sci-fi movies. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer. Add salsa. The hockey season ended months ago.